Welcome to Stories with Soul. I am your host, Jamie Ice, musician turned entrepreneur and co-founder of 6th Ave Homes and 6th Ave Storytelling. Over the past 10 years, I have launched multiple successful businesses and have become obsessed with all things entrepreneurship and marketing. I've been on a personal quest to unpack what it takes to make and grow a great brand. One thing that I've discovered is that stories are powerful and that storytelling has the power to set a brand apart. Join me as I dive into the stories of the heavy-hitting leaders, entrepreneurs, artists, and business owners in our community to hear their biggest wins, greatest losses, and their best business secrets. There's a story behind every great brand. Welcome to Stories with Soul. Stories with Soul is brought to you by my company, 6th Ave Storytelling. In 2020, we launched a marketing company on a mission to encourage entrepreneurship and make starting and growing a small business easier than ever before. Since then, we have helped hundreds of small businesses and entrepreneurs grow their brands by giving them the tools, resources, strategy, and support they need to craft and share their stories. If you are thinking about launching and growing your own brand, schedule a meetup with me today. I would love to talk to you. Head over to 6thAvStorytelling.com and let me show you how the storytelling approach can transform your marketing strategy. This episode of Stories with Soul is sponsored in part by Project 202, the leader in experience-driven software strategy, design, and development. Whether you're looking to build a new software solution, redesign your mobile app, or kick off a digital transformation initiative, Project 202's customized approach creates solutions that work for your customers. Customer experience drives engagement, and cultivating that experience requires a ton of attention and time. Project 202 is local and has 18 years of design leadership. This team is an expert in using customer-centric methods to build compelling data-driven customer experiences. Wherever you're at in your business journey, the diverse team at Project 202 will guide you from idea to execution. Go to project202.com. That's P-R-O-J-E-K-T-202.com and click contact to begin winning the hearts of your customers and exceeding your business goals today. Welcome to Stories with Soul. I am your host, Jamie Ice. I am super excited about today's guest. One of the reasons I started this podcast was to have conversations with, with certain people that I've never gotten to sit down with. And you were on that list. <laughs> like, how do I get a few moments with Tim Love? Tim Love is my guest today. And so the, I, I've, you are a part of the reason why, why literally I have this podcast. Well, it gives that's me very kind of you to say that. An excuse to wrangle you in and have a conversation with me. So I'm going to read your bio real quick because it's crazy <laughs> and <laughs> impressive. So Tim Love, with restaurants spanning the nation from Seattle to Knoxville, Love's roots remain in Texas, where he is chef and owner of many beloved Texas restaurants. He started and owns and founded and operates the Lonesome Dove Western Bistro, which has locations in Fort Worth, Austin, and Knoxville, uh, the Woodshed Smokehouse, Queenie's Steakhouse, Jamele. Did I say exactly. it right? Exactly. Is that right? Very good. Atico. 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 <laughs> tried. Uh, Love Shack. I can do that one. Paloma Suerte. I said that one. Mm-hmm. Katarina's, the storied White Elephant Saloon, which is like the oldest bar in... Oldest operating saloon in the state of Texas. That's pretty freaking cool. Hotel Oto. I said that one. Correct. <laughs> which yeah. is a shipping, shipping container boutique hotel. And then his latest venture is Tannehill's Tavern, which is a new music venue coming into the Stockyards of Mule Alley. He also runs Tim Loves Catering, 
He is widely known as the de facto ambassador for Texas. Love is a national spokesperson for Hellman's Mayonnaise, which is a pretty fun thing. And Thomas English, Thomas English Muffins and Bagels. His keen business acumen landed him a role as a host of CNBC's show Restaurant Startup, where he and, co- where he and his co-hosts vie against each other to invest their own money in restaurant com- concepts they believe will make millions. A committed philanthropist, Love is devoted to several charities, including, Bur- including Burger for Babies, which he founded in 2010, been fitting the NICU Helping Hands organization. Love's crowd-pleasing joviality. That's a great pull, word, pull word, by the way. Is frequently seen in numerous public appearances, including the Food & Wine Classic in Aspen, South Beach Wine & Food Festival, Music City Food & Wine, Austin Food & Wine, the festival you co-founded in 2012, Austin City Limits Music Festival, where you are the official chef. Uh, Love has appeared on countless national television shows, literally like probably probably edging up on 100 <laughs> lots and lots of TV, uh, including NBC's Today Show, Good Morning America, and he has recently been appointed as the official food and wine contributor for CNBC. That's wild, man. Yeah, it's cool. What, <laughs> when, when I read all that, like, how, like, what is, what is your gut reaction? Uh, it kind of seems a little surreal. Does it seem surreal? Um, you know, and sometimes, a lot of times, I do things like this. I, it, it kind of makes me think back to what my mom always says, like, do you ever stop and like, just take it enjoy? in And I would say I do, but really it's, I, my, my brain always works moving forward, which has its benefits, you know, um, you know, what the bio doesn't mention is the, the many failures that I've had in there, which are plenty. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of treat the successes and the failures almost in the same where I just, it's a constant look forward and, and a learning process of what happened in the past. And so, you know, don't get me wrong. I've, it, 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 anybody who's in somewhat of the, you know, public facing business, you get excited when you know you've had some great things happen and, and yeah. it makes you feel good. Yeah. Um, I do. I get excited. I mean, it's a, it's a lot. It's, mm-hmm. it's I mean, I, Sometimes I panic when I think about all that. And sometimes I get really excited. <laughs> panic I, about, yeah. These are all the things yeah, I'm like, responsible yeah, for. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it's a lot of people. Um, and COVID was a reality for that. Like yeah. when COVID hit, I'm, also, I'm responsible for 500 people's lives. Is that, is that how many people you employ? And um, you counted them all up? Yeah. Right now we're at about 560. And by the time Tannehill's is fully open, it'll be 610-ish. That's wild. So it's it's a lot. and. And it's a great feeling that I employ that many people mm-hmm. and I have that many people that believe in what our But it's mission also weighty. Is. Yeah. It's what, and people managing, you know, managing 10 people is really hard. It's, it's very weighty. And, uh, but it's, man, it's, it's, uh, it brings me a lot of joy to know that I've helped a lot of people buy a new home or, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I've, I've got so many employees. I know, I know their kids. I know when they got married. I know, yeah. you know, they bought their first car. I mean, uh, so many backstories to that. Yeah. I've had so many employees work for me for 10, 15 years. That yeah. It's really cool. I mean, it is. It's so, quite cool. So I, I think where I want to, to, to lead off is, is you, you were a chef. You are a chef. I don't know if you like if you restaurant tour shit like <laughs> but your background is like you you were a chef at Riata like a lot of many other great chefs that yeah. was like the launching place but but to go from I'm a chef at a restaurant 
which there's nothing, nothing wrong with that. That's a very noble thing. Yeah, correct. Work freaking hard to do that to, I, I have this empire, so to speak, like, like literally how many concepts is this? (laughs) I don't know how many concepts it is. It's like, it's like 18 restaurants. 18, like to go from a chef to that seems like a really big jump. And so my, I, I think my, my first question is just like, was, was that always part of the plan or, or did that just sort of happen? Uh, you know, much to everybody's chagrin, probably I really don't have a, a plan. Okay. Um, my plans are very, very short, um, snippets. I would say like, I, I don't like today I'm, I'm so busy that I, I try to focus on a day to day as we're opening up Tannehills and mm-hmm. as we discussed earlier, like the construction, how, where it is. So I, do I have long-term plans? Yes, but really it, it's more of my, more of a creative side of me and uh, kind of combating with the business side. And I constantly think of new things I want to do, try mm-hmm. experience, um, offer. And so when I, the, the plan was I didn't want to work for anybody else mm-hmm. and I got to figure out how I'm going to work for myself. <laughs> okay. That was the plan. That was like a, That's not number a very one good plan. employee. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We do these things. Um, we have all, every one of our people on our management team take this, um, uh, inherent traits test called culture index. I, it, I'm a huge culture index. Person. Yeah. What, is, so, what is your profile? This episode is sponsored in part by Pre-Kindle, the platform designed to empower event creators to develop the best experiences possible for their communities. Did you know that Pre-Kindle was actually founded in DFW and is still headquarters in Dallas? Well, now you do. We love local businesses and Pre-Kindle is one of the best. With a best-in-class platform of features, no long-term contracts, low service fees, responsive mobile-friendly event pages, and friendly and attentive support, Pre-Kindle is my personal favorite ticketing and marketing platform for any event. Anytime I'm planning something with my band, Green River Ordinance, Pre-Kindle is our go-to platform to use. With an impressive roster of event creators, venues, and entertainment destinations across the nation, Pre-Kindle's hands down the best. In DFW alone, they've partnered with incredible spaces like the Granada Theater, Panther Island Pavilion, the Kessler, Will Rogers Coliseum, the Fort Worth Modern, Tulips, Ridley Theater, and more. If you have been to an event or venue in DFW, I promise you have likely been using Pre-Kindle and you didn't even know it. Beyond ticketing, Pre-Kindle also helps automatically promote your event. With over 500,000 subscribers in North Texas and partnerships with event discovery sites like Bands in Town, Spotify, Google, they're set up to also help you spread the word. So go to prekindle.com, that's P-R-E-K-I-N-D-L-E.com and click get started to begin using the platform. They are on a mission to bring your event to life. This episode of Stories with Soul is brought to you by TCU Neely Institute for Entrepreneurship and Innovation. They're ranked as one of the top entrepreneurship programs in the country, and they live by the Neely promise to unleash human potential with leadership at the core and innovation in our spirit. The Institute has recently launched the Horn Frog Investment Network, which leverages the expertise and experience of entrepreneurs, 
business leaders and investment professionals. They source, evaluate, and invest in the next generation of innovators. Crazy cool. And as an entrepreneur myself, I know the importance of finding great help. It can truly make or break your business. Luckily, as Fort Worth entrepreneurs, we have access to some of the top up-and-coming minds in the nation. If you're a business looking for talented students and interns, visit the Neely School of Business website to learn more about the Entrepreneurial Intern Scholars Program. They're actively looking for placements for their incredible students. They're doing amazing things, and it's exciting to see the next generation of entrepreneurs grow and flourish right here in our city. Uh, it's the... Um, oh my God, just slipped me. We go, well, my, my A trait is, is seven or six. Over? Over to the right of the six. median. So what, what that means is like your autonomy. Yeah, it's like self-starting. If it's yeah. six over, that means it's like 3%. Trailblazer. Thank you. You're a trailblazer. Okay. Which means you're, you're get out of my way. I'm going to burn a trail, but you're also can turn on your social and be likable. Right. So my social detail. is like. My, my autonomy was seven to the right and social was six. Yeah. And when I but that it, means less, like 97% of the world looks at you and is like, that guy is strange because they don't have a, 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 a drop, this right. drive. Like that's, that's insanely rare to have. That's, that also means you're unhireable. Yeah. Like, so, that's, bad. that's what the guy said. Basically you're unemployable. Yeah. You're, you are, you think the solution to every problem is inserting yourself into like you're like i can solve any problem that's and right. i can do anything that's funny yeah. like, like we that's how we we do for all of our hiring yeah i, I love we it. we do too um am i like my my c trade is way left uh-huh which and is then, patience which means you're intense and you move fast yeah and multitask and you're, like, and you're like go 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 and then i have a little detail hook so my yeah. d trade is just below my c trade yeah and if you're as driven as you are you can be detailed you're like, yeah. you probably don't care about rules, but you're like, I can get detailed. Yeah, I don't care about rules at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's, and I take a lot of risk. Uh -huh. And you take, yeah, because you think you can do it. Yeah. So the first conclusion was. I, I, I can't, I, and I've told, my wife was work, was a manager at Del Frisco's at the time. Okay. And when I was at Riata, and I had run a couple of really great restaurants in Breckenridge before we decided to move to Fort Worth. Mm-hmm. And did y'all meet in the restaurant we world? Did. Okay. Yeah. And um, I kept telling her I wanted to open up my own place. I wanted to open up my own place, you know. And um, she's like, why would we do that? I'm making great money. You're making great money. We have a nice house. Like, everything's yeah. fine. And then the tornado hit. And I was like, how about now? So you were at Riata when the tornado hit? I was the last guy out. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So you, your job got shut down for... Yeah, that was like, it was like a sign from God. That's and what I like, told. That's what I told my wife. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that's kind I of. I mean, good. if this ain't it, I don't know what is. Uh -huh. She had she had a rough time arguing with it. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So that was the plan. Um, you wanted to open a restaurant. I want to open a restaurant. So no grand vision for an empire. I just want to have my own place and not work for anybody else. Right, and I thought, and uh, I wanted to have three restaurants because I know two restaurants isn't doesn't is is not great. Why, so why is that? The economies of scale don't work out. You okay. got to hire so many people to run two restaurants and it's the same amount of people that can run three. Mm -hmm. And so talking about an arching management team. Like a, a bookkeeper. And right. Your you know, once you go from one to two, yeah. it's a lot more expensive. Yeah. So, but two to three, it starts doing really well. Mm -hmm. And 
Um, that was, I mean, that there's some, some, like, did someone teach you that? Or did you like, were you playing with spreadsheets or like, how did you come yeah, to that conclusion? I, so I have, I got a degree in finance, but I've always been, I'm, I'm, my, my, one of my fastballs is definitely business and, and negotiations and deals and things like that. Struck a really good deal on my lease for Lonesome Dove, mm-hmm. you know, 22 so you years went ago. To school, you went to school for finance. Correct. And then somehow you wound up in. Well, I paid for my school by cooking. Okay. So, and I fell in love with it and I grew up on a farm. I've raised every domesticated animal there was. I had a big one acre garden I had to take care of for my dad mm-hmm. in Tennessee. and In Knoxville, is that? No, I was in Cookville, Cookville. oddly enough. Cookville. Okay. <laughs> okay. Same. It seems like a fairy tale. So grew, grew up on a farm, raising animals. Yeah. Growing. Didn't know anything about cooking. Didn't know anything about cooking. And um, took a job making salads. I actually applied to be, I've told the story a million times, but it's, I applied to be a, a bartender, a server, or a host at this restaurant that my father and I had eaten at mm-hmm. just outside of Knoxville called Kotsi's Grill and Spirits. And it was a nice restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um because I wanted to meet girls, right? I'd be a bartender or a server yeah, or something. Bar- bartender's fun. Yeah, exactly. That's what I thought. I mean, I like drinks. Yeah. You know, when I was 18. I like drinks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the guy offered me a job making salads and I've, I've, I've been, I've worked ever since I was 11 years old. And did old. you like, did you like the hustle and bustle of being? When I, when I started on the line, it was a Sunday brunch. The guy was supposed to train me, didn't show up, of course, which it's, you know, it's a typical restaurant story. I mean, happens all the time yeah. now and um and it was disastrous frankly i mean i was terrible at it but i'm i mean i'm an athlete i played soccer all my life and i'm I'm, you know i love competition i yeah. love it to the end of i the would earth. assume you're competitive and that's just, i just dug in it was like it was like being in a uh a sport and that's what really attracted me to the business mm-hmm. and um a year later i was running that kitchen oh really yeah, and, and did you? And what did you? What did you like about it? Was it just? Was it? Did you like cooking and creating, or did you like well, the culture? I, I fell or? in love. I fell in love with the 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 cooking. Once I started, you know, it's funny. I was I I kind of come from the reverse of what most people in my industry do. Most people go to a culinary school, or they, mm-hmm. and where I went, I I went and I learned all the stuff about the food without any intention of cooking. By being on the farm. Right. And so I knew what a great tomato was. I knew what, you know, a good carrot was. And I knew mm-hmm. what great asparagus was. And I knew how to, you know, butcher animals. And, you know, we killed chickens and uh-huh. all that stuff. And I I didn't do it for, you know, for the restaurant industry or anything like that. I just did it for. It was just life. Yeah. 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 And so you start taking those applications and apply it towards a business. and it's just came at it from the reverse mm-hmm. and, um, and just, well, I did everything I could to learn everything I could. I would, I would, I would stay late, come in early. I'd go work for other chefs for free. And so Once you, I fell in love with it, I was like, the, everything I got. And you were doing that while going to school. Correct. And why were you studying finance? Like, what was the well, goal because with that? In my opinion, and I tell this to everybody I know and every kid I know, the, the one thing you're going to get, in trouble with if you don't know what to do with money if you ever get it mm-hmm. you just i've known my dad my dad was an anesthesiologist and he was, he was a he was a badass he's a terrible businessman okay yeah. terrible and i saw it right in front of me I'm, I'm the youngest of seven kids so oh that's a lot of kids 
Yeah, and so I I just was always I was always thinking about and I, and I still am always thinking about business. How how does everything I do affect the business? And so was part of it like I I saw my dad some of my dad's mistakes and wanted to Yeah, I would I mean, you know, sorry. I look around at at the reality of it is you can't do any business without the business, right? And yeah. I, I tell people this all the time when I'm, especially young chefs and stuff, mm -hmm. I'm like, it's called the restaurant business. It's not called the restaurant fun show. It's not called the restaurant, yeah. I get awards for food or rest. It's, that's not what it's called. Mm -hmm. It's called the restaurant business. Yeah. And even on the show, when we're interviewing people to give them money to open up their, yeah. you, you have to have a plan or, or the will and know-how to make the business happen mm -hmm. or you can't do all the fun stuff that makes you happy to be in the business. Yeah. yeah. And the, and the, like it doesn't matter how good your pro product is or how good, like I've I seen make... so many restaurants close that have some of the best food I've ever tasted yeah, in my life. It doesn't. And because, and people don't buy the, the best things. Like the reason we both have iPhones, like there are stronger, faster, smarter, better phones out there, but we, we buy into the brand and the business model. And yeah. you know, it, it's, I said that with music. There's so many, so many people like we were colleagues with that were way more talented than we were, but they just didn't take care of their, the business right. or how to market it or how to, you know, so you, so you, but when you went into finance, you weren't going into it with the intention of, I want to start a restaurant or, or were you already, were you thinking well, about that then? I, a year into working at Kotze's, I decided that's what I want to do. I want to, okay. I'm going to open up my own restaurant. Now, I don't know when that was going to happen or how I was going to afford it, but that's what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I wanted to, and so it's, it, everything from that point on in my brain was like, what do I need to do to make this happen? And, and, so, and based on what you just told me of your culture index profile, when you decide something, you're like a laser. Like, yeah, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Were you like that as a kid? <laughs> like, well, <laughs> I'm going to be on the soccer team. Or... Yeah. I mean, probably so. I mean, I hadn't really thought about it, but yeah, I mean, I had a paper out when I was a kid, uh -huh. you know, and I'm, I, I didn't like the billing system. So I went and talked to the president of the paper and said, hey, this isn't working out. I've got As a kid, you went to the president of the paper? Yeah, I was 11 years old, <laughs> 12, 12 years old, I think. Yeah. And I told him, I, I we... You mean he threw papers to apartments. Okay. And and I've told this story before, but I I, I love the paper out. My mom hated it because she had to get up on Sundays and drive me. You know, oh, so the she papers, was driving you. Well, the papers were too big on Sundays for me to carry them uh, in my bag on my bike. Yeah. So we had to roll them in the mornings. Me and the, and my buddy that would spend the night on Saturday night, would be, he'd be pissed off. Like, uh -huh. my dude's cool that we get donuts in the end. It's going to be great. <laughs> but it... I threw a lot of apartments and apartments, they don't answer, you know, they owe you money at the end of the month. They don't answer the door. Yeah. It's hard for me to collect. And so I went in and I'm like, Hey, how, why don't we prepay? And if, if I miss the paper, I'll, I'll, you can take that out of my pay, but let's mm -hmm. back and forth. And he goes, you know, it's about a bad idea. So sure enough, two months later, I started prepaying, man, my life changed. Uh -huh. Had all my money. You made it easier and more yeah. efficient. And, and it, was, it was, and everybody was happy. You know, I'm like, I'm not going to miss the paper if I do. Yeah. They can call and complain. I'll bring them a paper That's or, uh, you know, take 25 cents off my. This like 11 year old kid go like. Yeah. I was like, that's not, and it's ain't working, uh -huh. you know? So 
Um, and was it, it was part of it because like the youngest of seven, it's kind of like whoever the youngest kid is kind of like, you're on your own. <laughs> the first kid we like, we shelter. It's and- not, yeah, that's exactly right. It's, it's like a, a little bit of traits of an only child and a little bit of traits of being the seventh child. Mm-hmm. And there's a big gap. There's seven years between me and the closest one. Okay. Um, so it drove me to, to, you know, my mom was, was working all the time when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, after my parents got divorced. So it is, it's just, you know, I had to learn to be Mm self-sufficient and, um, which, I mean, I'm not complaining about my, my mom was awesome. My brothers and sisters have been awesome. We're all really close. Mm -hmm. Um, just had an amazing family reunion with my mom. She turns 85 next, next week. And, uh, so we had this big deal with, she has, we call them disciples. She's got 43 disciples underneath her that are directly underneath her, which is pretty awesome. Wow. So we had a really great time. And, um, but you know, that, that's part of, uh, you know, I digress a little bit, but it's, it, 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 everything that when I wake up in the morning, it's how do I make it, you know, better, faster, more efficient, mm-hmm. everything I can think of. It's like, that's the constant in my brain. How do I, how do I get better? How do I go find something cool? How do I do something something else that somebody else hadn't done? That's, so you're thinking you're thinking in the future a lot. Yeah, and I don't plan. I just think. Okay, it's a different. You get an idea in your head, and you're. And then I just we just go do it. So, but the 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 challenge with so I, I feel like I'm wired that way a lot. I'm constantly. It's very it's very hard for me to be grateful or appreciate a moment or be present. Like one of my big. And yeah, goals in this season of life is be present, be present with my kids. It's freaking hard for me because I'm just always thinking about what's next. But like the thing that I have run up, you know, and that's my superpower. It's also my Achilles heel. Um, but the thing I run into is like, you know, a yes to the new thing is an, every yes is a no to something else. And so your ability to not just think of the next thing, a lot of people that can think of the next thing, but to be able to execute on something new while still having something great and managing and running that and making sure it's still great. Well, that's a testament to my team. Okay. Um, so as part, as part of it, just having a great, like um, unpack how you, you do that. Well, you, it's you, frankly, you, you have to, you have to bring on board people that believe in what you believe in and believe in the passion that you have. And, and then want to be a part of it. And then if you can do that, which is very, very hard, by the way, at least in my opinion, it's very hard. If you can do that, then, then you, you, you know, you know, I always say, you know, ideas are a dime a dozen, right? Mm-hmm. Who cares? I mean, an idea is nothing without execution, yeah, without determination. You know, I think the, and discipline, discipline being a very big one, mm-hmm. being disciplined enough to take an idea from, a thought to a product or an execution is very hard to do and you can't do it on your own by any means. Mm-hmm. You got to have a lot of great people who fulfill a lot of positions in order to make all that stuff come true. And the, the only way that happens though is if they believe in the project, right? They really get behind the vision. Yeah. And we, we, you know, in our company, we have seven core values that we live by and we, oh, give me, give me, give me some of these core values. <laughs> um, well, accountability is the number one and, and not only being accountable for yourself, but accountable for others and accountable for your team. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, love, hospitality and commitment is one core value. 
um, that that kind of represents, you know, you have to love what you do. You got to love the people you're with. Um, you got to love yourself in order to make this happen. Um, and we, we kind of combine all, the love, hospitality, and commitment is a, is a combo core value in the sense that, you know, our hospitality is built around a commitment. Not only to the company, but again, to yourself. And, you know, you got to decide this is what you want to do. The mm-hmm. people that are on our leadership team, it's not a job. It's it's a way of life. Mm-hmm. And and we run it like that because there's some days where, you know, you're working 20, 24 hours and some days where you're hanging out and having the most amazing bottle of wine because somebody gave it to us. Is, you know, like there's these very highs and very lows. And yeah. so that that hospitality, you know, everything I do is hot, is around hospitality I, I can't help it you that's know, kind of the unifying thing yeah it's amongst it's all of funny it. i when i first started lonesome dove even all my friends that i have now were people who were dining at lonesome dove mm-hmm. you know and I, i'm serving them and i'm cooking for them and i'm just getting to know them and these people have made a lot more money than me and you know could afford a lot more things than me and and i you know for five years straight i'd didn't miss a shift at Lonesome Dove. You, you were, when you opened that, you were, you're yeah, cooking? Yeah, nonstop. Cooking, I was doing the dishes, I was doing the prep, <clears throat> I was doing the numbers, I was like, yeah. And, you know, and then as time passes, and, you know, I've, I've, you know, built my career a little bit more, and next thing you know, every once in a while, I get to sit down with these people and have lunch. Mm-hmm. Right, it's, it's kind of this weird, you know, my, before Uber, um, I had a, a guy that uh, I hired that would drive me because I, you know, I've got a bunch of liquor licenses and not, mm-hmm. if I drink, I don't like to drive at all. Yeah. And I like to set an example for my kids and so on and so yeah. forth. Anyways, so he, he told me this story about me. He was with me for 10 years. He goes, you know, it's funny, you know, you, you were serving these people and cook for these people. And then now all of a sudden you're sitting down and have, you get to have lunch with them. The next thing you know, you're having dinner with them. The next thing you know, they're sitting there having dinner, watching you on TV. This episode is brought to you by my good friends at Visit Fort Worth. Visit Fort Worth is the official destination marketing organization of the 13 largest city, and I would say the greatest city in the United States, dedicated to promoting Fort Worth as a premier business and leisure destination with thriving centers of creativity, culture, and commerce. Visit Fort Worth is the parent organization of the Fort Worth Herd, the Fort Worth Film Commission, Fort Worth Sports Commission, Visita Fort Worth, and Music Initiative Here Fort Worth. They are doing a lot of amazing things. For more information on Visit Fort Worth, head over to visitfortworth.com and follow them on social at Visit Fort Worth. This episode is sponsored by the Fort Worth Business Press. As a Fort Worth entrepreneur and small business owner, the Business Press is my favorite source for news and updates about the entrepreneurial community in and around Fort Worth. I read their email newsletter literally every day. It's always full of insights and stories that really matter. Are you ready to be more connected? Sign up for their free newsletter at fortworthbusinesspress.com. But if you're like me and the newsletter just isn't enough, you can become an insider. With the code STORYTELLING10, all one word, you'll get a discount on the insider membership. Insiders receive exclusive access to special content, 24 issues of the business press delivered to your door each year, and discounts on event registrations and more. 
Join me and the Forward Business Press in staying up to date on the people, companies, and issues that matter most to Fort Worth. Are you a small business owner or an entrepreneur? Do you do marketing for a small business? If so, I have something that I want to give you and it's totally for free. We've put together a free resource at 6fstorytelling.com slash download. And it's the secrets, it's the tips, it's the tricks, it's the tools of the trade. It's literally everything we do at 6F Storytelling to help small businesses grow. Go download it today at 6fstorytelling.com slash download. He goes, it's a weird dichotomy. And then I'm like, well, not really. I mean, they're still the same people that I want to serve mm-hmm. and I'll continue to serve them. And I, and I enjoy serving them. Right. That's my spot. Yeah. That's what I do. So that's hospitality for us. And then, uh, knowledge is another big one. We, we, we harp on knowledge all the time. Informing yourself of things is the, the greatest piece of the puzzle that makes you be great, you know? Uh, learning learn all the time ask questions do your research you know if we're doing some new gig that i've created go do the research on it before you sit down have the meeting Mm -hmm. so you have questions and you can ask what we're doing how we're doing it you know like the hotel for instance there is no when we did the container hotel like we built a micro resort that there's no playbook exist. for that. There's right. no. There's and so no. it's been, you know, it was a rough run. Like it's a rough run for the city because they didn't know what to do with it. Like yeah. we don't, uh, we don't have, this is not in the book. Yeah. Um, so have that knowledge, you know, so that when we're having to face adversity that you have everything in your pocket and know what's going on. And, and I think there's two, two components of that is, is, is one, it takes some humility. It's like, I haven't arrived. Yeah. That's need, one of our, yeah. that's another <laughs> yeah. one. But, it, but to seek knowledge, you have to be humble enough to say, I don't know and I want to know. And then two, like you mentioned earlier, you know, every day I think about how do I get stronger, faster? I don't yeah. know what, 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 yeah. what exactly you said, but there's also like, I have this hunger for more out of life. And so I know I'm not where I want to be. I'm going to go seek it. Yeah. And it's, and our, our, our last core value is called magnetism. Okay, unpack that for me. Be somebody that other people want to be around. Be magnetic. Okay. Uh, magnetism is a tough one. It's it's inherent in some people. I feel like, and you, everybody knows this. You know, there's those people that you meet, and you just you, you want them to be at your parties. You want them to be at your yeah. lunches. You want them to hang around. You want they're, they're just they're just fun. They make everybody happy. Yeah, and they're they're just. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call them cool, right? Like that's not a good definition of energy. It. They bring energy. Yeah. You just, you know, when they're around, it's going to be fun. Yeah. That's yeah. like, um, what was that friends episode? I forget the name of the guy that was coming to town. They're like, Oh my God, we got to get our passports. We got to get everything. Uh-huh. Such and such is coming to town. We don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. It's yeah. that be magnetic. And, mm-hmm. uh, and that, that's a, it's a great, you know, that's a great value to have, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, is that value for you aspirational? And what, what I mean by that is like, you know, I, I think, I think you're, you are magnetic in the sense that you have this vision and like the self, like Tim's going to think of something crazy and he's pushing and driving, but you are not like a cheery, bubbly, Hey God, you know, <laughs> like, you <laughs> well, you've never been around me in that kind of sense. Well, so but, you know he, but he, like, your personality is, 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 and I'm making assumptions here, Yeah, you know, is, is that you are, you know, when I think of you, I think of like this, get out of his way, he's blazing a trail, 
visionary. I think a lot of people think like that about me. Okay, but do you but, do you? But like my my question is: Is do you feel like this magnetism is also something I need to? Do you feel like you embody it, or is this something I try to also do intentionally? Yeah, I think that you know, there's probably a little bit of Doctor Jekyll and Hyde situation there in mm-hmm. the sense of if you ask like my close friends that I don't work with, yeah, they would say the opposite of what you're saying. But if you ask okay. everybody that's in my, you know, working circle, they would say, we're saying like, like watch out, here he comes. Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> holy shit. Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> Tim's an asshole. Get out of the way. Uh-huh. And he's a man. It's just, he's, he's dr- insanely driven. Yeah. And that's, I think that kind of projects that kind of, Thought. So I, I do try to, you know, soften that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it it gets a little bit hard in the sense that there's so much. But my, you know, my my old assistant um, who now works for the development in Stockyards Heritage. Oh, cool. She worked for me for three years, and um, you know, like those are the people that you, I, if somebody wants to know who I am. I'd encourage them to interview my assistants, right? Because mm-hmm. if there's anybody that works harder than them, I don't know who it is. Yeah. And if there's anybody that puts up with more crap from me, yeah, I don't yeah. know who it is. And so they'll tell you kind of like what it's a, um, there's just so much that I don't soften things and I need to learn to do that because mm-hmm. I, I'm a, I'm a very to the point, this is what we're doing, Yeah, you know? And, you know, I, Sometimes I need to add back in some of my, my texts and, and I got to bullshit a little bit more, you know, and, yeah. uh, which I'm good at in, in great situations, but like during the work days, it's more, you know, I, I just, it's, it's very, it's very black and white for me. Yeah. And especially when I'm out of like in the middle of a project, like I am right now, it's like, there's just so many things and so many answers and it's not. I don't, I hate when people go, well, we'll talk about tomorrow. We're not going to talk about tomorrow. We're going to do it right now. You're, What's you're the gonna, answer? We're going to get it done. Yeah. So the, these core values, like how long have these sort of been your core values? Were the, the, uh, these- so I instituted this about two years before COVID. So that makes it what, about five years ago. But Something. these are probably principles yeah. that you lived by. hundred percent. Engagement in, is another one. Engagement. Um, What's um, engagement? So we always, we encourage everybody to participate. And that means not only in the meetings that we have, but more like, you know, it's a, we're a fairly big company now. So like today, for instance, we have our fall party at Jamele. And so I would expect that some of the managers or some of the employees from the other restaurants would go over and hang out, like be engaged in what we're doing in the company and understand what we're doing, be a part of it, mm-hmm. um, show up for things so that people will show up for things for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and same with me, you know, like the if our office has a happy hour, I mean, even if I'm busy, I'm going to go by and have a drink, say hello to everybody and yeah. buy a round of shots or something like that. You yeah. know, just be engaged. Just know know what others are doing so you can participate or help or mm-hmm. be around to help. And that's been the hardest thing for me in this company is that, you know, when I started, it was me. Yeah. And as you it said grows. washing dishes and bartending yeah, yeah. and cooking. Yeah, it was a beat down. Yeah. Um, but I was doing it, and so I was excited for it. And. I want them to kind of feel the same way. And we empower our general managers to feel that way. And, you know, after you work for us for a year, you become a managing partner. Um, if you're the GM of the restaurant. What, what does that mean to be a managing partner? You know, like you share. have equity? Yeah, profit sharing. Really? Yeah. In all of your restaurants? Mm-hmm. If you're, so after, if you're the general manager, this okay. is the general manager. 
Yeah. Um, and so that the assistant GM, that's what they aspire to get mm -hmm. to, right? After a year, you become a managing partner. And then a, a year later, you get a little bit more. A year later, you get a little bit more. Right, uh, so you're incentivized to stay. Correct. Well, not only stay, but be engaged. And you act like an owner and think Correct. Like yeah. That's really cool. I did yeah, not know that. Yeah, we want you to be, we want you to, you know, if you are successful, you deserve to be a part of the success. Mm -hmm. And, but if you're unsuccessful, you deserve to be part of the unsuccess, right? That's, yeah. That's what life is. Yeah. And uh, I don't think we teach enough about that, yeah. frankly. You know, you can't just have all upside. That's, yeah, that's true. If you want the upside, you got to understand what the downside is. And that mm -hmm. means if you're lazy and you don't take care of your inventory and so on and so forth, you're going to lose some money. Yeah. And um, Lord knows I do it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Lost yeah. money. Done You've had time. to write checks. I've written a lot of checks, yeah. man. A lot of checks. But, um, so but in terms of like, like these, I think these values kind of show like, this is, this is the culture I've created. This is what my team adheres to. This is, this is who we are. What, what were some of the, like to free you up? Like what were some of like the key hires or key? Oh man, tons. Um, or like key, key positions. Like, do you have like, do you have like, this is my wing my second in command. This is like my, Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're, you know, as much as I hate to say this, but also I'm very proud to say mm -hmm. we're, unfortunately we're a big corporation now. Yeah. Um, but we're unique. Um, so my right hand guy's name is Terry Ward. He's our chief operating officer. Okay. He's a very key hire for me. I, so I had a, a gentleman by the name of Jason Ty who worked with me for a long time. Uh, I hired him when I first bought the white elephant he came in and ran the white elephant. He's my cousin. Okay ran the white elephant and he grew with me and worked for me for 14 years. Um, became the COO wow. over that time. Um, and then, uh, he just decided that he'd had enough mm -hmm. and, um, uh, he's down in San Antonio and I'm doing great. Went through a couple of people after that. Um, cause that, that operator is really who frees you up to. Well, that's correct. So the, my, a lot of my friends who I, you know, talk with frequently and, um, are always like, you've got to get somebody in here to, to run the operation side so you can continue to grow the business. And cause you're, cause you're, you're best when you're thinking of what's the next thing and how do I, yeah, make it? I mean, I, I feel like, I feel like I'm a good operator. I feel like Terry is a great operator. Mm -hmm. Um, he sees a lot of the things that I see, which makes me very happy. And then, mm -hmm. you know, it's so, you know, hiring him, he came, I brought him out of New York. Um, he was actually from Texas though, which is great. Yeah. And, um, but he ran standard hotel in New York and oh wow, worked with some really good, uh, amazing. He worked for Steven Starr. So he did, uh, Morimoto in New York and, um, he, he's, He's very seasoned, knows the business well, and that's the type of person I needed. Our business is unique in the sense of, Jamie, that the we're not chilies, right? We're not building 12 chilies. Yeah. Everyone is different. Correct. And they're very different. It'd be way easier. <laughs> it would be. It was, and so our, it was all like love shack. What our, you know, what we, what we're trying to do is we, I mean, I mean, we're going to open up, this is, this is unfathomable to me that it's happening, but we're almost at the end of it. But, 
you know, we opened up Paloma Suerte in end of January. Which is like a Mexican concert. Correct. And then we had to open up Lonesome Dove in Austin because they tore my building down. So we had to build and open that in April. We opened up Katarina's in August. Which is a super upscale. Very high-end American of Italian. First kind yeah. Italian. So we have Tim Love, who's like the Texas Grill guy. Yeah. <laughs> Opening. Well, Another, another location and then a Mexican restaurant and then this crazy Italian concept that no one else has ever done before. Right. And then now Tannehill's Tavern and Music Hall is 30,000 square feet of restaurant, private club, lounge, and a thousand person music hall. Mm -hmm. And in a year after COVID. Yeah. How do you feel in this moment? Like uh, I'm surprised you even have like an hour to come. To yeah. <laughs> It tells, tells you how much I like you, Are you, you sleeping Jim. right now, yeah. Tim? <laughs> I'm actually not sleeping. My wife's a little bit worried about it. I haven't slept much, but. But each of those a, is like a baby. Like when you open a new concert. 100%. Like, Cause it's like, it's not like opening up Lonesome Dove again, which we could move a crew and they, got, could, they the could teach formula. them how to do you it. Have a yeah. for that. So we're recreating the wheel every time, which is the part that I love, frankly. Mm -hmm. um, is taking something out of nothing and creating yeah. it. And so, but it's very stressful on the team and you can kind of see it. It's it reminds me every year of getting at the end of festival season. So we do a bunch of, you know, we do Bonnaroo and Lollapalooza. And, and you do like the artist ACL. catering for those. Yeah, right? we do, you know, different things at different festivals, but, um, um, you know, we didn't like this year we added on hinterland Fe festival in uh, Iowa. And, uh, why do you do that? That seems like a lot I love of music. Work. <laughs> it's a lot of work. Go take and, uh, your people to Austin yeah. or Nashville for these festivals. Yeah. I, I love music and I've always tried to figure out how everybody's always wanted to figure out a way to put food and music together. Mm -hmm. Everybody. And they've, we've all done it various different ways, but everybody knows that nobody's really gotten it. Mm -hmm. Nobody's nailed it. Right. There's nobody who goes, Oh man, that's the formula. We need to do that. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm, that's what I'm seeking right now. I'm trying, you know, and Ten Hills Tavern is the next step for me towards Yeah, that's it. literally merging. Yeah. Thing. But for the festivals, you're, you're feeding the artists, right? Yeah, you're, we feed the artists and we feed, you know, VIP cruise. areas, platinums and yeah. stuff like that, different levels of things that we do at different festivals. But um, for years at ACL, I've, I've fed the headliners and, um, you know, they're, and they're you invited guests and stuff and like you that. Drive, you're go, you personally are there yeah. as well. So I'm opening five restaurants this year. Yeah, this is this this is where it becomes the shit I'm show. I'm running <laughs> my current restaurants. I'm reopening the one in Austin, trying to open a music venue, and yet you're still going to Bonnaroo, and we do platinum at Bonnaroo, yeah, and doing all that. So, so like, <laughs> what is a day in the life? <laughs> Who's I with yesterday? It said that I want to follow you around. Uh, oh, Anthony from the president of live nation. I was meeting with him yesterday. Oh, cool. He's president of North Texas and you met him at the thing. Mm -hmm. And, um, it, he said the same thing. Uh, you know, it's, uh, there's not a typical day. That's the whole thing. So some days, not but right I, now, some days it's pretty chill, but, but I would assume there's a rhythm. There's a, yeah. I, I mean, mean, these type of meetings, I'm like, yeah. I mean, I, I get up and do yoga in the morning. Um, and then I get done with yoga. What, what time, what time do you get up in a normal day? Six thirty ish. 
Because you're also like your your uh, industry by nature is later nights. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And then so I do I do forty five minutes of yoga. That's your first thing you do when you wake up. Mm-hmm. Before I look at my phone. Okay. And this is part of you mentioned discipline being important right. to you earlier. And this is part of like I think nothing happens without discipline. Mm-hmm. Honestly. Yeah. I think discipline is like if you have no discipline, it doesn't matter how creative you are, how talented you are, yeah. how fun you are, how fast you are, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um it's the small, it's the, like, have you, are you, are you a Jocko Willink fan? Discipline equals freedom. No. He's like the Navy SEAL commander. Oh, okay. He has a book called Discipline equals freedom that I keep on my nightstand table. Uh, but it's like, literally like, uh, I say all the time, like a healthy leader means you have a healthy, you can't have a healthy organization without a healthy leader. Correct. And if, if the leader is not disciplined and it, it takes discipline to like, so you, so, so your day, you wake up, you do yoga before you even look at your phone. Right. Just for your health and probably some mental, your, your mind. Yeah, is probably- and I, I'm, you know, I'm old, so I'm 50. So, you know, I, I used to run, I don't run much mm-hmm. anymore, although I, I like it. Um, you put on like a video or something like a Peloton app or. No, I just listened to it. My, uh-huh. my old yoga coach recorded 10 classes for me. I just hit random and uh-huh. listened to it. And then, um, then I'm kind of digging into my phone. So my assistants send me my schedule at 8 a.m. every day. Mm-hmm. And so then I'll read my schedule. I don't really look ahead very often mm-hmm. um, because I like to concentrate and finish each day, like I said earlier. Mm-hmm. My wife asked me last night, what, what time are you flying to Knoxville tomorrow? I'm like, oh, it's 8.30. And I looked on my phone literally and it said 8.30. And then this morning I'm looking at my schedule and it says I'm flying out tonight at 8.30. I mean, that's how yeah. fucked up it is. Yeah. So I messed that up. So then, you know, I re- read over my schedule and then I read all, all the reports. So every restaurant sends a report every night. I set this up a long time ago. Obviously, I can't be at every restaurant mm-hmm. every day. So we have a 18-point questionnaire for each restaurant that gets filled out by the management team. Kind of like a, a scorecard. So yeah, more of like a, a state of being. What happened mm-hmm. yesterday? Good, bad, and indifferent. Mm-hmm. You know, sales, uh, labor costs, uh, amount of people that were in, and then we have you know who was in. We have mm-hmm. a set of VIPs that come in. I need to know who those are, mm-hmm. and then how the shift went. So that the the front of the house puts in their shift notes, and the back house puts their shift notes in. Mm-hmm. They have repair and maintenance. Anything that was broken or was called upon. So on and so forth, right? All the way down to every restaurant. These important indicators. Right. So I yeah. read that for every every restaurant, and then I send my comments on the shift. Um, so you get some accountability. You get some eyeballs on it. Right. It's, and it's also, it's not only for bad things, but most, a lot of times it's really designed for good things. So like, mm-hmm. if, for instance, if you came and ate at Katarina's, they would put that in the report, mm-hmm. right? So that way I know when I run into you today, How's Katarina's? Correct. Yeah. Okay. So it's more about communication throughout the management team as well. Yeah. So everybody in the upper management team knows what happened at every restaurant. So there's no. So that that's how that's your pulse check. So every um, every morning you're looking at the reports that came in the night before. Correct. And that has allowed you the fact that that team knows to fill out these questions and send it in the night before. Like you're 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 maximizing your day by having an efficient time to. Correct. And I, I'm not calling it. for a meeting for anybody. I don't need any of that. I just mm-hmm. need to know what happened. So then after that, then I kind of get into my day, have some coffee. And um, 
I'll return some emails, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. And then my assistant will bring some emails to the top that she wants to do just before I get to the office. Mm-hmm. And then I try to be at the office by, you know, 9.30-ish, mm-hmm. depending. But recently I've had meetings straight away. You know, like today we're doing this at 9.30. Yeah. But, um, and then I'll, right now I go down and I'll kick the contractor in the butt, you know, for an hour and, <laughs> Right now you were in the contractor. Yeah, contractor, yeah. Tannehill's open. It's been that way, you know, since Katarina started. So, um, and then, you know. And so you're prioritizing. This is the most important thing. Yeah. And it's uh, a constant, you know, answering questions throughout the day, generally. And we're making decisions fast right now. And, you know, having to accelerate some inspections and things like that. And so, and I'm also dealing with, you know, for us, for Tannehill's, you know, how are we going to get a thousand people to park? So I'm working through that with the development. We've been working on that for a long time. Mm-hmm. All these ancillary things that are happening, you know, yeah. all at the same time. And then uh, consume brain space. And consume yeah. hundred percent. Like, you know, and then, um, um, like tomorrow or tonight, excuse me, I'm flying to Knoxville tonight. You're flying to Knoxville tonight. Yeah. And then I do a cooking demo for pilot flying J tomorrow at two. <laughs> okay. Then I'll run the shift at Knoxville Lonesome Dove. Oh, you will? On the line, okay. yeah. And then I'll uh, fly back in the morning unless I can convince my lady to fly up to Knoxville and Mason State for the Tennessee-Florida game. Then we'll okay. fly back. Okay. And uh, But then it's right back at Tannehill's, right back in the thick of it. Yeah. Um, but I generally I'll work all the way till about 5, and then I'll go uh, camp at one of the restaurants and run the shift. Mm-hmm. And, then, and are your kid? are you... Are your kids all out of the house? They are now. They're yeah. all. So y'all are empty nesters. Correct. Now. But before that, you, you probably had like family. Would you bring the kids up to one of the restaurants? No, generally I'd go home about 5.30 or so mm-hmm. and we'd have dinner as a family and then I'd go back to the restaurants and run a shift. You would? Yeah. Okay. So um, this many- year is a little bit, it's been really different because there's so many openings and so I like to be present when yeah. we open a restaurant for at least two or three weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is tough because I got other stuff going on, but I, and 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 that's where you because I, I I would assume you really dictate the experience you want people to to have and and feel. Yeah, and uh, you know my concentration has been really high on experience in the last couple of years, especially these openings. You know, which people, is why you being there, you're like yeah, and people just demand more experience, and and that's. That's in my wheelhouse. I love that. I love the experience. That's a new thing. You think people demand more experience? Yeah, there was a while there where it was just good food, good service. Um, I don't think that's enough anymore. I think after COVID, people want more engagement. They really do. Um, they want a reason why they're there. They want more than just the food and service. Of all this, don't get me wrong. The service is part of the experience, and food is part of the experience. But you know. Yeah. It's also, there's also parts that have jumped the shark, right? There's so many restaurants now that's all built around taking a picture, you know? And, yeah. And the food's not good. Yeah. You know, everybody always asks me, like, what's the what's the key to success to, to a great restaurant? Is it the food or the service or the location? I'm like, well, in the hospitality business, it's everything. Mm-hmm. It's everything, every day, every minute, every second. It's not, it's the constant notice that there's something on the floor that needs to be picked up. Mm-hmm. Or noticing that that one of the guests seems to be looking around a little bit because they need some more water, or it's it's it. You have to love 
and want. You got to have the passion for it. You have the commitment to it. He's got to be engaged with what's happening because you can't, you can't, those are non, they're non teachable factors. They're, they're things that you have to want to do. Mm-hmm. And that's what we say. That's why we, we list the core value. Like when we give an offer letter to somebody, like these are their core values. If you don't believe in these, that's perfectly fine. You just can't work here. Yeah. I mean, it's not, I'm not upset. It doesn't bother me. Yeah, but, you just, you're either you're on the team or you're not on the yeah, team. Yeah, and, and, and we're, we're going to live by these. Yeah, and so if you don't agree with them, then it's this is going to be a, a tough run for you. And so, but th- this idea of experience, like we, we we haven't talked at all about really the food or the concepts, but but this experience element that that was foundational to Lonesome Dove. It was like you stepped into this old building. The menu had kind of crazy things. Yeah, it's crazy for Fort Worth, for sure. Well, at the time, like kangaroo and the yeah. tenderloin had garlic stuff. <laughs> you, you, you had some things on, on the menu that were very adventurous. And, it, you know, it had this, it, it was an experience. It was, it was, it wasn't yeah. Del Frisco's. It wasn't. Correct. It was a, you know, it was a, it was a, you know, certainly wasn't Riata at all. Mm-hmm. And, but we got compared to Del Frisco's a lot, yeah. which was flattering, yeah. you know, at the time. And it was a restaurant that was, um, that was a, a genuine food experience mm-hmm. that, you know, in the stockyards, which was kind of like, what the heck is going on? You know, yeah. I mean, back then, back in 2000, the stockyards was a little sketchy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was not, not, yeah, it was not the stockyards of today for sure. Yeah. And I remember doing the deal with uh, Steve Murren, who owned the building. And he kind of looked at me like, okay, you little kid, whatever, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And, I, and I struck, I, my rent was $1,100 a month. Oh my gosh. Did you lock that in? I tried to. <laughs> it, it only lasted six months. And he came back, okay. and, you know, it was a handshake deal because he thought I was going to close, you know. Okay. like. And he's a handshake. I, yeah, I love Steve. I do too. Yeah. I really do. And, uh, talk about magnetism. That, yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Uh-huh. And, uh, you want to, so then that really, that's kind of, you, know, you look at the, the, if you look at Lonesome Dove in a little snapshot, that's really kind of my vibe. Um, I like to go places where nobody else goes. Mm-hmm. I like to do things that people say I can't do. Mm-hmm. And I like to make it as best I can, yeah. right? And prove it out. Like nothing out. There's no other restaurants around you that are like. There's Joe T's, which is way up the street. Yeah. But not there's no nothing is doing. There's still kind of the tourist stuff that was happening. Yeah. But but you you sort of went you blazed the trail in many ways for the stockyards. Well, you know I I, when I met Bud Kennedy for the first time was at Milano's Pizza mm-hmm. on Seventh, and this is when I was li- over living on Bunting Street, and we had a cool little bungalow house there. They tore it down. I'm so upset that the mm-hmm. house got torn down. But, um, I, you know, I introduced him. I knew who he was. And again, this goes back to like knowledge, right? So I always encourage like, you know, young people that want to get in the restaurant business or want to own a restaurant or be a chef or like, know, know your surroundings all mm-hmm. the time. Know who, know who's who. That was something I always did. I, you know, I knew who Bud Kennedy was, yeah. even though I was just the guy that was running Riata, you know, and. And but and Bud, if you don't know, is has been the food writer critic. For yeah, like a food for, beat writer for for forever. Lord knows how long. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> since chicken fried steak was invented, I think. <laughs> yeah. And I introduced myself to him. He's like, "What do you do? I'm a, I'm a chef." And this is right after the tornado. And he says, "What do you do?" I said, "Well, I'm opening up a 
restaurant in the stockyards. And he kind of looked at me funny. He's like, what do you mean? I'm going to get a fine dining restaurant in the stockyards. He said, you know, somebody already did that and it didn't, didn't work. And I said, yeah, I'm aware of that, but it's really not the restaurant that I'm opening up. It was called like Panther city something. Mm-hmm. And he goes, all right, well, good luck to you. And, uh, so of course, immediately I'm like, well, now I'm definitely gonna, yeah, I'm definitely gonna win. <laughs> you know, like that. Yeah. This kicks in. <laughs> yeah. uh, That's and, a very bud thing to say. Like, and, yeah. Like, you know, he's very dry uh-huh. and he and I kind of were adversaries for a while. I wouldn't call it adversaries, but you know, he's very, I'd say he's very like, uh, he's critical. He yeah. Can be critical. He, yeah. yeah. And you know, I feel like just not in the last couple of years where he, he actually, you know, he's someone you got to win over. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, it, you know, not that he ever, I've won him over by any means, but you know, at least he's not like beating me up anymore, yeah. which is good. Yeah. But, I remember when we first opened Brute, he just crushed us. He like killed like, yeah, it's just, <laughs> and we've become friends since, since then. And he's yeah. been very favorable things, but anyway, you know, he's, he's honest and he's like, you gotta, which I appreciate that. See that it's kind yeah. of a little bit of like, like me, like I'd rather you just tell me what you yeah. think. I mean, uh-huh. I don't need, I don't need the Southern niceties, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah. So, and then, so but, that, that was, that was, you know, 22 years ago. Well, I mean, almost. So, 20. but you created this, and then it worked. People came in. People. Yeah. You know, we, we did it. We, we, you know, we're smart. We only did dinner three nights a week. Mm-hmm. Which nobody remembers. And you I'm dumped sure. your life savings into this. Like you, you. Oh yeah. I, I don't have any money. I've, I read somewhere that you were like selling beer at a street party to so <laughs> pay for your plumbing. Three, or three days before we opened. Three days before we opened was the Wolf Dance. Oh, I remember Wolf Dance. You remember that? Yeah. And it was on Main Street. Uh-huh. And they, they closed down Main Street. And the main stage was at Main Exchange. And then there was an alternative stage up at 24th. Mm-hmm. So Lonesome Dove was right in the center. And all of a sudden, I was like, oh, wait, I can I can sell beer at this thing? Uh-huh. So we so we get a bunch of, you know, the, the distributor comes by and we, we get 50 cases. And... I have my two sisters out there in bikini tops and my wife <laughs> selling them. Yeah. And I'm in the back popping them. Uh-huh. It's hot. God, it was so hot. And, but we didn't have any money. And so when you buy beer, you have to pay, you know, they deliver it. You got to pay cash. Mm-hmm. Well, when the guy would come deliver the beer, I'd go hide and. Oh, we don't know where Tim is. Come back in a little bit. Well, he was so busy. We knew we could sell enough beer to pay for the beer when he came back. So that's what we were doing. Uh-huh. And we. Eventually, we got ahead of it. That's funny. And uh, we made $10,000 that day, and literally, that's how we got to open. Wow. Paid for the plumbing, and it paid for uh, our uh, AC guy. I mean, I was running duct work myself and building walls, and uh, me and my buddy Jimmy. Jimmy helped me out. He was awesome. And uh, and you got to grind it, but that's what you do. Like, that's, like, there's no, you know, it's glamorous now. He's fine in Knoxville. He's doing Bonner. He's ha- has, like... But you, you got, you put in the work to get to that. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's work every day in this yeah. business. I mean, when people think it, it it's so, it's so funny. I'll, I'll, I'll be doing an interview and I'm like, they're like, Oh, well, can you do it at three? And I'm like, no, we open at five. And they're like, mm-hmm. well, I'm like, well, the, the food doesn't magically prepare itself. Yeah. It takes all day to prepare to serve dinner at five, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, it's it's not a it's not a business for the faint hearts for the business for people who love it. And yeah. It, and when it, when did the TV stuff happen? Like when? 
Um, you know, I, I, I did. Or how did that even? Yeah, happen? I did some local TV for a while. There's a point, I'm, I, I'm, I'm going to mess up the timeline, but there's a point where I was doing Fox TV every Wednesday. Okay. Like coming up, like, here's, here's a recipe. Yeah, we did a little three or four minute segment at the end of the, you know, yeah. the morning show, which was great. And I, I, but I want to say that was after, like I did, um, our first big TV deal I did was Iron Chef. Yeah. That was in 2007. And when they approached you to do that, did you know, was it like, it was like the, was it the very beginning of Iron Chef? Yeah, this is like the real Iron Chef. Like the first. Correct. This is uh -huh. before Top Chef existed. Before yeah. this was, so Iron Chef in Japan was like the greatest TV show ever. Then they brought it to America, Food mm -hmm. Network did. And it was Mario Batali, uh, Morimoto, and who's the third? Kat Cora. And Bobby Flay. Mm -hmm. And um, so they they asked me to do Iron Chef, which was awesome. I was like, holy shit, this is great. Someone just heard about you. Yeah. This guy in Fort Worth. Well, I, yeah. Well, at this time, you know, Lonesome Dove been rated one of the top 50 restaurants in the world by a couple magazines. And we've we won a ton of awards. Mm -hmm. And so I got the call, which was awesome. And uh, so I said I wanted to go against Bobby Flay. And because it seems natural, right? Mm -hmm. Kind of we're similar. Yeah. It's okay. So then I got there, they're like, um, Bobby didn't want to go against you, so you're going against <laughs> Morimoto. I'm like, well, shit, I can't. He's like the original guy, you know what I'm saying? Uh -huh. So I told my team, I'm like, well, let's just get drunk and have fun. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, Morimoto had a restaurant in the bottom of the building where we we're filming, and he's got all this equipment coming up. Yeah. I mean, I, you're supposed to have two guys. I mean, it felt like he had 10, and they were just interchanging out. I don't know what was going on. Yeah. And we were just doing shots of Tawaka the whole time having a good time just cooking our food, you know? And, uh, when we finished, uh, I look, I look over and like our whole kitchen is just an absolute wreck. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's crap everywhere. The dishes look great. Yeah. But you look over at Morimoto's side and he's over there just it's polishing his immaculate. knife. Oh yeah. He's yeah. like polishing his knife. I'm like, shit, we just got our ass whipped. Damn it. But we ended up winning. And, um, it was so awesome. It was like, is that was that also in like a wave of because because that that took you from kind of local hero to yeah that was my big national thing that I've mm -hmm. done right and um, then we did a couple other really cool things after that we did a I did this trail drive that may have been before I'm gonna mess up my timeline but we but did, then people started calling you yeah for more for more stuff yeah and you know we we. I really couldn't do any more. I, you know, I didn't have, again, back to the team. We didn't really have that. And uh, it was, I don't know, it was cool. We started, that's when I started doing more festivals. Mm -hmm. um, I really kind of got into the festival circuit. And that's really where I kind of started doing some more endorsement work and mm -hmm. things like that, which was great. That that kind of work is what, you know, I'd take that money and save it and invest it. And that's how I'm, pay for the next restaurant. I mean, did you, did you bring on investors? Like, did no, you, well, have, one time in Austin I did. You haven't brought on any investors. I had investors in Austin only because when I did the deal for ACL, you've bootstrapped most of it. Yeah. Are you serious? So as of that's, right, that's surprising to me. Well, I know everybody thinks I got all this money. It's, it's, well, I just, yeah, it, it, to start anything new costs like 
A lot. A lot. And it's and operating a restaurant is so cat like yeah, cash it's, it's intense. Yeah, it's a cash intense deal. So and we, it comes in waves. And yeah. You got payroll taxes. Trust me. Due. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I had a group of investors in Austin um, for the Austin Lonesome Dove, which is part of the deal I did for eight when I signed on to do ACL yeah. years ago. Um, I've since bought them out. So, mm-hmm. um, and I, I'm, I'm assuming access to capital from like banks and stuff got easier. You way. know, access to capital from banks is not easy for restaurant business, no matter how good you are, which I've learned. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, my, my bank's been pretty good, but I kind of held their feet to the fire, especially with Tan Hills. And, um, I mean, this is my, I, listen, I, I don't have a ton of debt. I operate in the cash. I, I, it freaks me out. And also all my business friends are like, you, you, you can take more debt. I'm like, mm-hmm. I just don't like it. This is going back to the finance guy. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I don't like it. Um, I didn't, I, my assumption was to do the amount of things you've done as fast as you've done, you've, you've brought on partners or you'd like, that blow, it kind of blows my mind to know that that that's, hasn't been the case. Yeah, it's not it's not the case. That's really cool. That's that's. We started Lonesome Dove with seventy six thousand dollars that Emily and I had saved, and that's it's all built from those fifty seats. Wow. In various other ways that I've you know gone out and mm-hmm. done what I could do. Um, and so Lo- Lonesome Dove, then the TV show thing happened. Yeah, well, White Elephant first. So I bought White Elephant. Oh, you bought White Elephant first. A year and a half after I opened Lonesome Dove. Okay, I didn't realize you had it that long. Yeah, 21 years. Which is a, it's this historic, iconic Fort Worth. Well, I was, you know, funny enough, that's a, it, that's a long story, but the, the... So you're doubling down on the stockyards. At that yeah, I, well, I knew the stockyards was a place. Mm-hmm. I just knew it in my heart of hearts. That and you're, is, you're from Denton, right? Correct. Okay, you're from Denton, but you've been in Fort Worth for a long time. Right. And you just, you were drawn to sort of this cowboy culture. Well, I love it. Um, you know, it's, I just think that it's never going away, mm-hmm. by the way. Yeah. The, the, I love the idea of the cowboy. I love the adventureness of the cowboy. Mm-hmm. I like everything that, 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 that persona embodies is a lot like me. Mm-hmm. Um, you grew up reading Larry McMurtry. And- yeah, of course. And, uh, but the, it's, I love the the TV series. I think it's one of the greatest. It's such a yeah of all time. It really is. I love that. Lonesome Dove is what we're talking about. The, yeah, Lonesome the Dove, the TV the, series. Yeah. And uh, but the, I think that the, you know, I got a lot of. The, it's funny. I, I I think of myself as a combination of Gus and Captain Call put together mm-hmm. a lot, and. Uh, which that's saying a lot because those two really great people, but just kind of like the hard ass driver with the, the friendly, the fun, yeah. yeah. Gambling, uh-huh. you know, I mean, I paid for woodshed, but blackjack. No. Yeah. Wait, tell me the story. I went to, I, I was for a period of time there, I was pretty good friends with a lot of the Dallas Cowboys, uh-huh. um, Witten and Romo, Miles Austin and Keith Brooking. That's fun. That, They're that fun, fun people to be friends yeah, with. Yeah, it's a great group. And the Kyle Kozar and Doug Free and all those linemen and stuff. They always go to Vegas, you know, in uh, January because unfortunately we're not in the playoffs anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh always turned them down. So I was always busy and I was building 
woodshed at the time. So it was back in 2010-ish. And so this one time they call, hey, we're going. You in? And, and they're probably high rolling. <laughs> yeah, you think? Yeah. Their salary is a little bit different than mine. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you know this or not, but the NFL pays pretty good, yeah, especially yeah. with the starting players. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, I, I've, I've always been a big gambler, and I, I love to play blackjack. And and so my wife's like, you know what? You got to go. You've said no so many times. You got to go. She's like, you just can't. She give you a limit? Oh, yeah. But okay. like. She'll tell you this. I'll, she was sitting there. She'll give me a limit. It really doesn't matter, right? Because yeah. if, you, if you're, the competitive thing kicks that's right. on. That's right. So she gives me a limit, and I say okay, and we go, and 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 we're with Roman. Like now, when you're the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, the Red Sea parts wherever you go, uh-huh. and I, I, it's sure. it's the craziest thing to see, frankly. And I I gamble a lot, and I can get pretty much what I need to get in mm-hmm. Vegas, so to say, but. When Romo shows up, it's a whole different program. Uh, it's a different ballgame. It's yeah. a completely different program. Anyways, we're staying at the Aria, which I've never stayed at before, and I was rooming with uh, Witten. That's fun. Which was great. And I love that guy. He's awesome. And um, anyways, long story short, I lost my limit in like the first 30 minutes. We're we're in the Highland room. We've got tables of our own. In like, 30 minutes? I swear to God. Okay. And I'm like, I'm like hanging my head. Like, down. Oh. And uh, I'm sitting next to Brooking, and he's like, you know, you can gamble whatever you want. You're like, you can gamble ten dollars this table. We got, the, you know, whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I know, I know. So I, I get some more money. I'm, I'm a small line there. So I get some money out. I won't mention the amounts, but I get, yeah. I get the money out, and and I just put it on. And he's like, what are you doing? You put all of it down. Yeah. <laughs> on one hand. On one hand, and I get blackjack. Oh, nice. And then. I mean, after that, I couldn't lose. You were just, you got a, a, a hot streak. I mean, I could not lose. Really? And I won a huge amount of money. And Can you say how much you won from that trip? Yeah, well, I, I won, that night I won 140. Oh my gosh. Off that one blackjack, right? You just probably felt like a million bucks. Correct. And then yeah. stories get better and better. And the next day, though, I couldn't, I, I couldn't lose again. And so I came back and I, I paid the contractor. Going to game. Are you serious? Was yeah. your wife? Just, she, was like, she thought it was unbelievable. Yeah. That is amazing. I called her and I said, you know, back to, I told you, I used to have a driver because before. So Uber, Woodshed is just like guaranteed to succeed. It's like, yeah, it's, it's God set that vibe. It. Yeah. <laughs> so I was, I was, the funny part of it was, I was like, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, I'm, I come, it's coming down the line. I got to figure something out. Yeah. So. That uh, is so funny. That's amazing. And, uh, so that, you know, where there's a will, there's a way. And I tell that to the team all the time. You, you, I'd rather figure it out mm-hmm. than have 10 people telling me how to figure it out. Yeah. And there's something too, like, like not to get too juju, but just believing in it and, and the energy. Yeah. And you know mm-hmm. what, by the way, you could also lose, right? Yeah. And you can. Yeah. I, I gotta say that, you know, but it's, it, when you come from where I was from, when we were broke. Mm-hmm. I've been at the bottom. It's really not that bad. Yeah. And you've we, survived. I mean, you life. don't have that fear mm-hmm. of, you know, because we all have that fear of whatever it is inside of us. Yeah. Everybody's got their own fears, right? Yeah. But if, if there's no fear 
I mean, uh, I love to make money. I really do. Mm-hmm. And, but it's not, my, that's not my what ultimate goal. You. Yeah. That's yeah. not the motivator. It's just the measurer. It's not the motivator for me. Mm-hmm. And I, I like to create cool shit. Mm-hmm. I like to give people really cool jobs. I like to teach people things. I like to learn things from people. That's my motivator. Like, how mm-hmm. do I create something right? Forces me to learn something new. Mm-hmm. And hence the Mexican concept, Italian concept. Correct. And music menu. You no, know, most people remember we used to do these pop ups at my office. We'd have a restaurant for four days and I'd always do a different oh, really? country or a different cuisine. And we just opened for four days and had 26 seats. We'd do about 85 covers a night. Wow. And it would be me and my two culinary directors cooking. Just kind of for fun. Yeah. To challenge challenge yourself. Uh, and so we had... Sign me up for one of those. Yeah. So we had the to... Spanish restaurant called Oficina. They were all named the office in whatever language. Okay. Um, which was the predecessor to Atico. Okay. Oh, you, the concept kind of came from the pop-up. Yeah, all of them comes from the pop-up. Okay. Then we had Uficio, which is the office in Italian. Uh, which is a predecessor to Jamele and mm-hmm. Katarina's. Uh, and then uh, uh, Officina and no matter, our Greek, pardon me, Uficio is the Greek concept, Officina, Spanish. And it's like, it was, and we have all the, in my office, we have all four menus on the, on the wall. Like, this is what, this is like my test run in my head. Mm-hmm. And then we'd get people's feedback, right? What what did the public think? And mm-hmm. um, and then now this was all years before COVID, and then now I'm rolling them out. And it's like back to your point: Do we plan things? No, but do I do things thinking about other things? Kind of Absolutely. Test, testing the water. Everything I do is always about something else. I mean, it's yeah. a it's a constant. It's a I'm doing this because I want to see how this reacts. I want to do this and see how this reacts, but it doesn't feel like that. It feels like I'm doing it just to do that. Mm-hmm. And that's what you want, right? Mm-hmm. And our rest and like each, each place feels very intentional. Correct. You know, and it is and purposeful. And so when you get into the concept now, like we go to Katarina's, I mean, it's, it's yeah, we a were transportation. Talk, we were talking about that. Like, so, so one, this is a restaurant that only has 40 seats, which is tiny. It's hard. I was like, how do you make money? <laughs> Only 40 seats. Uh, and it's, it's, you know, it's designed. You can't, you have to put your cell phone up, like, right? You can't, Correct. You can't have a cell phone. So it's designed. You get to keep it. Yeah. You, you just can't use it. can't use it. But it's designed to be, which goes back to your experience thing, but it's designed to be a slower. Like a, That's right. A slower, like. I had dinner there last night, like sat down, had dinner with uh, a friend of mine from Live Nation and there was a couple next to us who did not recognize me, which was great. Uh-huh. So I got to listen to what they were saying. Oh, what they were saying. And this young lady was, uh, she's like, well, I hear it's supposed to be like, it's supposed to be kind of slow. And it's like, you know, I guess I could hear the gentleman going, it's taking a little bit. And for such and such, all of a sudden their food would appear. Right. And then, and then the, the, their conversation got better and better and better. Oh, yeah. like, and it's like, what happened was they just slowly morphed into the experience. Mm-hmm. And it was so great. Like, just hearing it from start to finish, just on the side of my ear. Yeah. And that's generally what happens there. It, it's, it's a, there's so many things that are happening. Like you sit down you get a complimentary glass of rosé, sparkling rosé. Mm-hmm. And then the cocktail menu comes and you order a cocktail. And if you follow the, not rules, if you follow the, the 
the suggestion of what the server says, you're going to have the most amazing experience. You can get off track, which is perfectly fine. But if you just allow it to happen, it's, it's nuts. It's about two and a half hours and, Mm. but you have a true representation of an Italian dining experience where you're just like, wow, it's Mm. so fun. And like, you end up talking to the people next to you and how would you think about that? And it's like this whole thing. Uh, and the, these restaurants are called buca, like, which means below mm-hmm. in Italian, there are these restaurants underneath the Duermo and underneath the city where, where people dined and it's tight. And then mm-hmm. at the end of the night, they kind of push the tables back and some guy would play the organ and they're big dancing. Yeah. Like a big night, kind of, you know, that movie, A Big Night. Mm-hmm. Oh man, you got to watch that. It's spectacular. And, but this whole like letting yourself go into the dining experience, because that's what they do in Italy, right? They, they, they make time to dine. Yeah. It's not about rushing in and out or how fast it comes. It's just, but they make things properly too, right? So you, our specialty cocktails become, we make the cocktail table side. Oh, you do? That's cool. And every cocktail comes as own paired amuse bouche so a little bite of food that comes snack. with each cocktail yeah separately but that that's something like is a lost just like i, I mean i something i've learned recently and i've been trying to teach my kids is is that you know when we do dinner it's not about it's not about food it's not about and i'm someone who's always on the move it's hard for me to sit yeah. down i just wolf down i would eat a Correct. sandwich yeah, over, exactly. over the trash can um but i'm like we sit down and have dinner because it's spend time together and have a conversation. We put up our phones, we have these questions we ask. And so, but I think to, to like, which is a lost art in America. We're so, we're so fast. All we're so time. fast. Yeah. And so scheduled. And so, I mean, recently, you know, before I got down the home stretch with Tannehill's, uh, and I, we dropped our twin daughters off at Texas and we went to Italy for five days. Oh. And, uh, went to this place called Forte de Marmi, which is where the Italians vacation. So mm-hmm. there's not a lot of tourists there. And they have all these beach clubs along the Tyranian Sea. And you go there and you get a cabana on the beach and you just hang out and mm-hmm. you read a book or whatever. You go get in the ocean, come back and read. Then you go up to the club and you have lunch. And lunch is like two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. You have a bottle or two of wine. And you go take a nap on the yeah. beach, right? And it's just kind of, and you ride your bike everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then you go into town late, have dinner at 10 o'clock. It's this whole letting things happen the way, you know, nobody's upset that, you know, the food takes a little bit longer. I mean, we're pretty paced yeah. at, at Katarina, so don't get me wrong, but it's the, they'd rather have it proper than fast. Yeah. And, so they don't, they don't overbook and they don't, you know, it's this whole, yeah. it's such a great. So this, this was kind of scratching an itch for, it was scratching an itch probably for something like you, you love that type of thing and also getting to educate Fort Worth. Yeah. I want people to enjoy it, right? Come see it. And so when I, you know, how do I present it properly in Fort Worth sense? Mm-hmm. You, in order to pull that off, you got to make it formal, mm-hmm. right? And we don't really have very many formal dining establishments in Fort Worth anymore. Mm-hmm. So that was the, where the jacket required came. And then I, I decided to not have cell phones because I, I was in Miami, excuse me, for Emily's birthday. And she 
we're, we're sitting there at this steakhouse called Pappy's Steakhouse. It's a brand new steakhouse in Miami. And of course, it's the, mm, 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 you, know, the yeah, yeah. you know, all this shit going on. It was super hot, you know, like, super, you know, special or whatever. We get in there and I mean, it's just like, holy cow. It's just like over adult, like lights and the music and the thing. And then this, uh, this woman comes, this woman comes to sit down with her date across from us, sets up a stand, has a light on it, turns it on, sets up her phone and like literally starts talking to her phone the entire dinner, uh-huh. like showing off everything and the lights in my face. And I'm like really pissed off about uh-huh. it. And that's, that was the, the catalyst to, to me going, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to make this restaurant really special. Of that's that. right. I want to do an, what I'm calling analog dining. Mm-hmm. Like, let's take it back to where we enjoyed each other's company, where we listened to the server when they had something to say. Yeah. Um, we meet people because we meet people because we're humans. Um, let's make it a nice analog dining experience. And, you know, little did I know it was going to turn into some crazy, you know, yeah, you got a lot Dang. of press, a lot of like. Yeah, it really wasn't Google. the press I was looking for. It was but like every, like, it's crazy. Like 200 articles on this restaurant yeah. has no cell phones. Yeah, and, it's, you know, banned cell phones. Like, like I stand at the door with a gun, like, give me your cell yeah, phone. Yeah. Like, that's not really how it works. But but there's something be, like beautiful to that. Even to your point of like, I do yoga before I check my phone. Like, we're so we're so programmed to have this thing all the time. Like, I, I, I plug my phone in, in the bathroom because I try not to look at it before bed. And Correct. I leave mine and I leave mine in the bathroom. I, yeah. I put it on the charger and then I go get in bed. Yeah. Because it's man, it, without a doubt, it's super addictive. Yeah. And yeah. if you say it isn't, you're a fool. Oh yeah. It's probably the most addicting. It's the one habit. I look at all my, like if I could wean myself off of that, I was funny. Like, on my phone, my wife put in this like a passcode where I can't access my email and Instagram and Facebook after 5.30 p.m. And it comes back on at 9 because I just would, I'm checking work all the time. And it just yeah. forces me to unplug a little bit. I still like go get my laptop and we'll do yeah. emails up to put the kids down. But there's, there's something to like intentionally unplugging it. And I, I love that you facilitated that. You're helping get, you know, I want you to have a fantastic night and I can ensure it even more if you, if you just do focus. this. Yeah. And you know, somebody's, it's funny. And then now people are finding excuses of why they should be able to keep their phone. Babysitters or. Well, no, the babysitter is easy. Like you leave the phone for the restaurant. Yeah. Like you used to do, you know, uh-huh. you need an emergency, you call the restaurant. Okay. And we have phone jacks all around the restaurant. We bring the phone to the table. You can take the call mm-hmm. without a problem. Yeah. Like old school. Um, but the, you know, it's, I love, our society today loves to be against whatever it is you're doing, right? Because it's easy to be against. Yeah. Um, and so somebody said, uh, well, what if, you know, my, my grandmother has a hearing deficiency. She uses her phone to talk to everybody. I'm like, Okay, well then she can use her phone. Yeah, I'm mean, like it's not. Yeah, but if if she wants to come to Katarina's, yeah, she needs to use her gonna, phone. You're gonna let her do 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 her thing. Hundred percent. If if you know somebody said, well, 
what if I'm a doctor and I'm on call? I'm like, Katerina isn't the restaurant for you because yeah. it's a restaurant where you're going to indulge. Luckily, I have restaurant one block over. Yeah, <laughs> we got six more around <laughs> that you can go grab a quick bite. Yeah. But like Katerina's is not the grab a quick bite spot. It's a spot where you're going to probably enjoy some cocktails and some wine. So if you're yeah. a doctor and on call, you're not having cocktails yeah. and wine. You're in the wrong, you're in the wrong spot. So that, that concept of, you know, everyone wants to be against something. As you have like grown more and more in, in notoriety and celebrity and the empire has grown. You become a bit like people like to throw rocks at shiny things. Yeah. If you, how do you handle that? Like, do you, are you someone like if someone pans your restaurant or, you know, or when you had to close that down something like, do you, do you feel like you're a target? Do you, what, what do you do with adversity? Uh, I mean, do I feel like I'm a target? Yeah, probably so. But like, I'm assuming there's people who want you to not succeed. Oh, he's, without a doubt. He's which, doing which, all these. Which, you know, is unfortunate because, you know, I want everybody to succeed. Mm-hmm. I mean, I want everybody in the stockyards especially to succeed. Yeah. Um, anybody that's around me to succeed. I mean, yeah. I want Maria's to be great next to Woodshed. Mm-hmm. Maria's great. Woodshed's going to be great. Vice yeah. versa. It, all, it rises the tide. Yeah. I mean, like Quartzside Kitchen, that's owned by a good friend of mine. And I want him to be great. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm... I go play pickleball at Gortside and, you know, if it's busy, I call him like, man, this is awesome. If it's not busy, I'm calling like, Hey man, what can we do to help enhance yeah. this? Like I, it's, I, I truly wish success on everybody that wants to work hard. Mm-hmm. I don't wish success on anybody that doesn't want to work hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's tons of, you know, there's haters out there and the, I, I, I've probably unfortunately maybe created more haters around me because of my drive. I don't, you know, I don't. My concern is my team, my family, and the creation of what we want to do. That's my concern, mm-hmm. right? So I always say, look, man, I walk with a 100-foot circle of fun around me. Get in or get out. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter to me. I'm, I'm for anyone you want to choose. Yeah. But if you get in, I'm all in for you. Mm-hmm. If you get out, just get out of the way. Yeah. And we're going to keep doing what we do and we're going to do it with passion and compassion, both and empathy. And we're going to move forward. We're going to take care of the best people we can take care of on the way. But I, the way I handle this, I don't, I, I, I truly don't read you don't. Instagram or you don't. do you check Yelp? No, no, <laughs> no I don't. Man, if, I say this all the time and I say this to the team. If we really have time to check that, then we're not doing our jobs properly. We need to concentrate on providing great service, making great food. Yeah, You do that, if, if do it with confidence, right? Know that you're doing that. You don't need to worry about what anybody else says. Mm-hmm. I mean, we got a bunch of bad reviews at Katarina's because nobody even eating there. Like, cell phone policy is stupid or whatever you want to yeah. call it. It's like, look, man, I'm not going to a vegan restaurant getting mad at them because they don't serve cheeseburgers. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, that's what you're, that's basically what you're saying. What you're doing there. I mean, if you don't like American airlines, don't fly American airlines. If you don't like, you know, you're, I mean, by all means you're entitled to like and not like whatever you want, but you can't say that something's terrible if you've never done it. Yeah. I promise you anybody that says that about the cell phone policy, if they would just come and do it. Yeah. I promise you they changed their mind. I think I think they will. I think they will. Tell me, okay, let's talk let's talk about Tannehills. All right. Because that's 
Green River Witness is playing there, doing a reunion first first concert. I heard in like about that. Four and a half years. It's sold out. I'm stoked. I know. Sold out sold in 24 out. hours. I know. Uh, so, but but that, our first sellout, by the way. What? Well, yeah. I'm, the very the first person to sell. We got a bunch of sellouts, but you're the first person I'm, to sell out. I'm excited for that. I didn't know it was sold out. People were like, I can't get tickets. Where are the yeah. tickets at? And I was messaging Quinn, who's the pr- yeah the promoter. Pr- yeah. I was like, wait. And he's like, it's sold out. And I was like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but th- there are. There's like a graveyard, elephant graveyard of, of music venues that have come before, you know, the Live Oak recently. Like this is one, there's a, some weight to this. Like that's, this is a hard, hard thing to do. But in many ways, because there's a graveyard, there's also, there's no one, there's no, our problem with Fort Worth was there was never, there was always like two, 200 to 400 cap rooms to play. Or there's Billy Bob's, which is 5,000. It's mm-hmm. like, we couldn't do 5,000. We'd do somewhere between thousand to two thousand tickets yeah. there, was, there was no house of blues style we'd always go to dallas but house of blues we'd right go. trees uh-huh. but so it's filling a, a void but this is like music venue is probably i don't want to say it's your most adventurous or it's pretty good that's pretty good statement it's a pretty crazy <laughs> yeah it's insane, thing to insane. tackle <laughs> where did that where did that this whole thing come from well um i'll try to tell a short version of the long story but you know, we started in the restaurant business, obviously. Mm-hmm. And as I've grown and matured and learned a lot more and traveled and blah, blah, blah. I've always wanted to do a hotel. Mm-hmm. So we opened up a hotel, um, which I love. I think it's spectacular. And we're, we're, we're anxious to do a few more of those, actually. Is that on the horizon? It is. Um, it's, we've had great success with it. And, but my passion as i said before i've always wanted to blend food and music and so getting involved with acl mm-hmm. was a big deal for me and and furthering that with bonnaroo and Lollapalooza and now hinterland um working with c3 presents was has been a great blessing for me those guys have been really they, good to they me they run acl they're like the correct they're the, the, they're the promoter for acl and um now owned by live nation mm-hmm. um but they do amazing work and um you know i, I just been in this battle of how do I, how do I put food and music together? How do I do it better? How do I, and as we move further and further in our company, be more of an experience company as opposed to a restaurant company. And that's, that's been our motto this last year. How do we create experiences for people through food um, and through music and through beverage? And so, um, you know, this, this opportunity kind of came in front of me as I was talking to the guys from Live Nation about doing a music hall. And we were originally going to be 50-50 partners. Mm-hmm. Um, and then COVID kind of threw that into a tailspin. And I just said, what the hell? I'll do it myself. And um, so here I am. So they're not they're not partners on it. They're just well, the promoters? they're my partner that's the promoter. But okay. Yeah, it's my venue. Okay. So... Um, but having Live Nation a part of it is a hundred percent the key. Is a big deal because we would we would uh, we would take less money, you know, to to play a venue because if Live Nation was a promoter because their their reach is so big when they send out an email, you know, correct. It's it's a and you know you want that and this goes back to you, know, you got to be smart, right? They're the biggest and best promoter in the in the world. In the, yeah, in the world, there's yeah. not and it's, it's unquestionable. And they never did anything in Fort Worth before. Correct. They've never had a, a live nation venue before. That's right. And so we've been talking a long time and 
and uh, you know, like I said, I've, you know, building a relationship like that takes a lot of time and trust. And so when those guys are like, well, we'll do, a, a, you know, they, they went to the developer. So you want us to do a music hall, we'll do it. But we want to do it with Tim. That's cool. So which they, was really cool. Before you approach them for it, they kind of said, we do it if Tim, Tim does it. Yeah. Which I didn't know that until later. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, you know, as, as things go and that, you know, there's, there's, there's not a lot of situations like this with Live Nation, but they've got a few. Um, but they, you know, they're a tremendous partner. I mean, I, I don't want to take away from that, but. Yeah. But um, the concept of like the space and the food and how it's going to look like, that's you. That's your. Oh, yeah. They're, they're just, uh, you know. Promoting it. But you're going to. It's, it's, <laughs> it's my money on the line. Yeah. So you're going to craft this. And I'm I'm assuming you've been dreaming about this for a very, very long time. Correct. I'm, you know, I'm, I can't tell you the excitement I have for it, but it's also the same amount of nervousness. I don't really get real nervous. Yeah. But this is as uncharted, correct? <laughs> uncharted so, waters a little and, bit, and uh, you know, and I'm, 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 you know, a lot of people again are depending on me. Like we've got all these shows booked, and but our pr- approach is way different, I think, than what most venues do. And I, that's where this is where I hope I can bring some change to what it is. I mean, you know, we, our goal is to take care of the bands better than the fans, and so, and we're standing by our word on that. I mean, you'll see when you come play, it's what we're doing for hospitality is I think unmatched mm-hmm. anywhere in the country. I don't yeah. care how big the venue is. And Which goes a lot. Like we had these venues that were all, just always our favorite places to play because they would feed us really well. And the green rooms were nice. It, like, it, yeah. You, and bands remember that, right? Yeah. Oh, you totally remember. And that. then the van tells the agent and the agent's like, Oh, well I'm going to bring three or four more bands there. Cause they had a great time. Yeah. And that's, and it's like, we always, always, we always want to play at the 930 Club in D.C. Cause yeah, because they got the cupcake. Cupcakes. Yeah, dude. I, it's, it's, like, s- it's funny what people remember. It, it's a big deal. Well, because you don't get, normally it's just like, here's, it's a smoky, divey, smelly, you know, place and you get some, a bottle of Jack Daniels. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> there you go, man. That's Have fun, boys. Yeah. Get some PBRs or something. Yeah. Uh, there, there's actually like, there was a venue in Knoxville for years called the square room. That was yeah, in, I know the square room. In the square, and they would, we, we would get to eat. Square room's right off Market Square in uh-huh. the back. Yeah. Yeah, it's a and great had, spot. But they would feed us so well. And like, they actually let us stay there. They had like bunk beds and stuff. Yeah. But just like, we always want to play the square room because it, they would take care of us. And so, it, it, and all that to say, is you it, dig it. it's yeah. a big deal. Yeah. And so this is what, and Tan Hill's named after my son, Tan Hill. And uh, so we're building this amazing tavern next to it you know it's really if you take house of blues and you regurgitated it of the times and make it texasy yeah make it texasy slightly it'd be kind of like this right it'd be that kind of we've got a private club um you know our green room is i'm at two dressing rooms a green room we've got full laundry service showers that's cool i mean for a thousand cap room yeah, it's, that's, a, that's a lot. It's a lot. And and it's taking up square footage that you could have otherwise that's right. used to take And, um, you know, we've got, uh, we fully outfit every band that comes in. I know. They asked they asked me for our sizes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, like for you guys, like some of the bands were doing some, I hired this artist out of LA that's doing some like really custom cool shit. Like oh, really? That's there's, cool. I mean, it's, it's, 
we're so detail oriented around the act and the people that work for the act. Mm -hmm. We're taking care of all them too. And it's, it's pretty special yeah. what we're doing. Plus you have, you can have dinner from one of the six restaurants I have around there wow. along with the, along with the crew. Mm -hmm. And, um, I just think we're going to present something that, that is going to move quickly through the industry. Like, wow. You're going to up, you're going to level up the industry. Yeah. Like, and I've been doing hospitality for, for bands forever. Right. So I, I know the tough parts. I know the good parts. I know the people, parts of people enjoy and parts mm -hmm. people don't like. And, you know, there've been years where I've, I've like, we should do this. And like, ah, oh, it's not in the budget. And, and I get all that, mm -hmm. but that's not how we're going to run this place. We're not running it on the budget, we're running it on what I think is great. And we're just going to do it. And, you know, if, if, if it costs too much money, then we'll figure out a way to, to make it up somewhere else. But mm -hmm. you're, you're going to know when you're coming to Tanny Hills and you're watching the van, they're going to come out happy. And that's, yeah. that's how people play a good show. Right. Yeah. I mean, the reality of it is, if you're in the venue and you're having a great time getting taken care of, you're going to go out there and kill it. Yeah. Yeah. Go out there and give them hell. And that's what we want. Right? Yeah. That's exciting, man. I'm, I'm, I'm super excited to see it. I'll be more excited here in about four or five days. Yeah. Yeah, you're in, you're in construction mode right now. Wearing, yeah. you're acting as a contractor yeah. <laughs> in addition to, to all of it. I'm going to act. Okay. I'm going to change the subject a little bit. If, if you could, if you could go back and just give yourself advice when you were younger, what would it, what would it be? How young? Uh, I don't know. When you were starting with opening Lonesome Dove. Opening Lonesome Dove. Okay. Um, uh, Any bit of advice you would give your younger self? Yeah. You can, I would you have, can define whatever. I would have built the team earlier. Okay. I thought that I was saving money by doing most of the things myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and thought that I couldn't afford it, which in reality probably couldn't have. I should have figured out a way to struggle to afford it, mm -hmm. to put a bigger, better team in place earlier. I think I would have been more successful in some of the things that I failed on. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I struggle, you know, when you're somebody like me who doesn't have a, a money pool to grab from, yeah. um, it makes it difficult to to grow yeah. really difficult. Um, and so it took a long time for me to save enough money to go do what I wanted to do. Yeah. So if I, if I think if I would have put a team, a, a, a better team in place early on, earlier on, I should say, mm -hmm. um, then we probably could have gone out and a sought out the money, B maybe sold half the company to make it grow a little faster. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if really growing faster was really my goal anyway. So I, yeah. it's, I, my goal has always been to create cool shit. Not, yeah. It doesn't sound like it's about growing. It's about you want to create meaningful spaces. Yeah. I mean, like we've got a, you know, we, we're, we're launching a clothing line at, and we have a retail shop in front of Tan Hills. So we're launching the clothing line. Wait, called, what? Yeah. So that comes out October 1st also. So Wait, what's the then, a clothing line? Yeah. I, I've always, I like clothes a lot, although you wouldn't think because I wear jeans and t-shirts, but that's uh, what we're selling. Jeans is it and t-shirts. Is it women's? Men's. We have women's not jeans. A not just a boutique, your own clothes. Yeah. What, what, are, what's it called? Uh, uh, love goods and chattels. Okay. I did not know that. Yeah. That's hilarious. So we got, uh, and are you designing clothes mm -hmm. yeah. in your, all your spare time Yeah. <laughs> at two in the morning? <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's a serious? small line, but it's uh we got we have jeans, uh, 
t-shirts, which I mean, seems simple, but I mean, a good t-shirt yeah. um, has a lot of value to me. Yeah. Um, uh, jean jackets, suede jackets. Uh, Man, that's exciting. Some vests. We got girls, jean shorts, jeans, denim tops, uh, these badass silk scarves, and then uh, Japanese cotton bandanas for men. Uh, and this is opening right around the same time. Yeah, same time. Man, that's cool. That's that's super, super cool. You you had this like leather suede shirt jacket thing one time that I remembered seeing on a magazine at Central Market, and I was like, "Oh yeah, that was that's a Ralph Lauren piece. There's double RL. It's a badass piece." Oh, I took pictures of it, and I was I've like, "I've never seen anybody else have it." But it, I, you know, I bought that. And I would look for that yeah. like on eBay for forever. It's super cool. Uh-huh. Um, I got that in East Hampton at the double RL store there. Really? There was only one of them. It happened to be my size. Uh-huh. And I've looked for it again, like in a different, you know, like the next yeah, year's version. Yeah. And it's, I've never seen it again. Yeah. Anyways, really cool. side, yeah. side note. But, but that's, but that's what I'm, kind of that vibe of like your, your vibe, which is like denim and, and yeah. cool jackets. And it's like, yeah, that's what I wear. So that's, yeah. that's kind of what we're doing. And along with like all of our rubs and spices and, you know, our steak knives, all the, what I call chattels. Like Cooking just, stuff. Yeah. Things. Okay. And then we're also doing a collab with Dickie's. Uh, Tim Love Dickies collab that'll be a, a section in the in the boutique and then um, you know just other things. Yeah, jeez, uh, man, you're doing that. That's cool. I'm excited to see that. That's 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 pretty exciting. Um, do you have? Are there any like books or resources or podcast? Like, are there any any tools? You talked about knowledge earlier, knowledge being really important, but is is there any bits of knowledge that were A, particularly helpful to you or like this was an instrumental book or B, that you, you give, I recommend this, I give this to a lot of people. My, my biggest knowledge is people, mm-hmm. um, which sounds kind of great. I'm not a big reader. Okay. I read a lot of articles. I don't read very many books. Um, I don't, I get a little lost. Mm-hmm. And distracted, um, but literally, I, I I get all my knowledge from from, from people, people from conversations. Yeah, so that's I, part of why we do the podcast, and I really enjoy it. I'm, I'm. Were there any particular people or conversations? Yeah, I mean, you know, I know Mario Batali is kind of taboo in my industry these days, but man, he was a really damn good cook and smart. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm. I'm I talked with him a lot early in my career. I met him on Iron Chef. Mm-hmm. Um, Joe Bastianich, who I did the show with. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, his mother, Lydia Bastianich, also great. Uh, oh, his mother. Okay. Yeah, she's awesome. She's got a couple of restaurants in New York, and she's an amazing cook. Um, you know, there's a lot of chefs I, I, I've looked to. You know, Tom Colicchio, uh, I've talked with a lot. Um, Eric Repair, Jose Andres, especially. Mm-hmm. he and I are about the same age and he likes to have about as much fun as I do. So uh-huh. we've had a lot of really great times together. My publicist, uh, Phil Baltz, who we've been together 14 years, 15 years, something like that. Wow. And he's been, you know, he's a little bit older than me. He's got a lot of knowledge, been around a lot of people in the industry. Um, my wife, of course, gives me a lot of, a lot of, uh, criticism, which is great. Yeah. She honest feedback. Yeah. And it's good. And, and my, my friend group is also really great. I've got a lot of great friends in a lot of different industries, which I learn a lot 
you know, one of my very good friends in the concrete business for years. And I knew his, his dad dined with me and then he dined with me and they sold their concrete business recently for a large number and mm -hmm. any kind of deals like that. I'm, I'm, I, I like, I, if, if somebody would offer it up, I, I learn everything I can about so it. You're, you're a connoisseur of people. You're also like, you're not just, these aren't just relationships. I'm like, I'm gaining knowledge intentionally from all the time. The people I surround myself with. Yeah. I, you know, you're only as good as the people you hang out with. Mm -hmm. And that's, uh, I, I find that to be as, as true as it can be. I mean, mm -hmm. and that doesn't mean that new people can't join your group. They just got to have the drive that you have, yeah. you know, because they'll, they'll drag you down. Yeah. It very pushes, quickly. It pushes, pushes you. Yeah. And you, you, you know, learning things about other industries is what makes you smart in your industry. Yeah. I, I agree with that. If you drive yourself solely in your own industry, you never really learn how to drive your industry because mm -hmm. you won't be innovative. And like when I, I took on, I, I went and ate at Pilot Flying J in Knoxville one time and I knew it was a Knoxville company and, and, and the food was terrible. So I sent the, the owner and president an email saying, Hey man, I can, I can help you out with this. Of the this gas terrible. stations, yeah. the truck stops. <laughs> and so then I was our food innovation specialist for four years after uh -huh. that on a cold call. You're like, I can do this better. Yeah. I can, also I can make it better. I know uh -huh. I can. Yeah. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, this is, you know, those are the things, you know, that I try to teach my kids. Like uh -huh. if you think you can, if you really think you can do it, right. And you have a, a, an idea of how to do it, then go do it. Yeah. You know, figure it out. Yeah. Sacrifice. You, you can all, if you, yeah, if the idea is good enough and you believe in it strong enough, you can figure out how to do anything. How to open right. up a clothing store, how to open up a... And that's what we do. You know, we constantly bring more and more things in-house because I'm like, why, why are we paying this company to do it when I know I can do it you better? Could, you could do it better. Yeah. We just got to figure out a team to do it, right? We got to got to build the team. You got to build the team to do it. Yeah. It's not... I, I hate to say I. It's not I. But it, you know, I get the idea. Mm -hmm. And then, like I said, ideas you, are worthless without the team to do yeah, it. Yeah. And you probably see here's the way... You know, here's I see the end of it, right? The, the that, vision of what it could be. And that's, that's, that's the devil also sometimes, <laughs> yeah. to be honest with you. I can, it, I can relate, it, I can it's relate like, to that. And it drives, it drives my wife crazy, but she's, you know, she's really kind of come around after, you know, 24 she's years. It. She's like, Man, there's no need in fighting anymore. Yeah. If he says he's going to do it, he's clearly going to go do it. So, and I put myself in a corner purposely. That's where I'm, that's where I'm do my best. Yeah. You, you know? thrive. Yeah. You thrive in like the, it, it's the midnight hour. It's time to. Yeah. It's go time, you know? And, um, I feel like I freak out if I don't have a thing I'm starting or working on. Like, yeah, I, you know, everybody always asks me like, are you ever going to sell the company? And the only way I would ever sell my company, which I'm not saying I wouldn't because at some point I'd love to, I'd, you know, we've got a lot of, value but really what i want to do is sell half the company and still run it mm -hmm. but get a pay out influx of get, you know give get some security and then and then take some money and and have it there to grow the company without so much stress yeah. so right now i mean as much as we got going on i really don't have any money like it's it yeah because you've reinvested every yeah. bit of it into all these new things yeah man it's and I've got more debt than I've ever had. So which, if you're listening to this and want to buy half of yeah, Tim's company, <laughs> send him a message. For a large fee. For a large fee. <laughs> Feel uh, free to reach yeah. out. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm going to hit you with a couple of just quick questions. 
your favorite meal at any of your restaurants? If you like have one one go to I know it's like depends on the day and the mood, but you have like, man, this is my go to. Like the kids are here, they're in town. Uh, we're gonna go eat a Well, we'd probably go to Lonesome Dove. And what's your go to meal there? Uh well we get a ton of the first course. My kids love all of them. And so Machi Tostadas, um, elk and foie gras sliders. Um, my son always gets 12 lobster hush puppies on his own. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and then I'd have the butter lettuce salad, garlic stuffed tenderloin. I mean, it's the classic. Uh Yeah. And, uh, some fried spinach, truffle mac. There you go. And then ancho chili chocolate cake. Oh man, that sounds like a night. That sounds like a night. What's your go-to drink? Uh, tequila. Tequila? Any version. Just on the rocks, neat. Uh, yeah, Margarita. a lot. I do a lot on the rocks. I do, you know. What's your my, go-to tequila? Uh, well, again, that's there's a lot of, as far as like a really nice tequila on the rocks, Avion 44. Mm-hmm. As far as, uh, you know, just if I'm going to make a ranch water or a margarita, I like El Jimador. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's the best bang for the buck by mm-hmm. far. Okay. And then when you have, like, do you have a favorite, if it's at Lonesome Dove, like, you got friends coming in, a favorite spot, like, a spot you'd like to sit at and take? Oh, well, like a lunch, uh, like a long lunch, I like to go to Jamele. Okay. For sure. Um, there's nothing better than a three-hour lunch at Jamele. Mm-hmm. And you say outside or inside? Outside. Yeah. And uh, play a little bocce, you know, drink a lot of wine. Mm-hmm. shoot the shit for a long time it's fun I, I really love like about Jamele and Woodshed is I can take my kids and they can make noise and they can run around and that's, they can yeah, yeah that's right Woodshed is like uh, you know Woodshed's where we ride our bikes to uh-huh. and we and I hop on our bikes and it's about a seven mile ride from our house yeah that's something that's a fun fact I can get to any of my restaurants without getting on a road oh that's cool on the bikes mm-hmm. one of my my favorite meals in Fort Worth is the beef shin at woodshed at woodshed nice because there's something like so it's messy it's and big and yeah. primal and it's you eat it with friends like you can't eat it i created that cup by the way oh you did well i mean obviously it existed but yeah. i'm saying as far as and it's like a so service tender. cut yeah that and the tomahawk chop i actually created the tomahawk chop really yeah i love a good tom- tomahawk but it, it, that's one of my favorite meals with friends well it's like you know it's it's very similar to Italian dining in the shin, meaning like it's just this thing where you just kind of keep eating and everybody's mm-hmm. talking, you have a few drinks and then you make another, then you eat a little bit more. And like, it's, I, I love eating like that. I, you know, to your point, like you get, our, our, I always say that the great, that everything happens around the dinner table, mm-hmm. good things, bad things, crying things, laughing yeah. things. It's all, uh, you know, I've, I've talked to the governor about forming a, uh, uh, food policy group, hmm. a governor's food policy group, or there's some sort of fancy name for it, I'm sure, but where I get a bunch of chefs and restaurateurs and food people from the state of Texas and we advocate having dinner, mm-hmm. you know, and making sure everybody has dinner and meaning sitting around like really Do, bring, doing dinner. Yeah, not having that's dinner. right. And, yeah. and man, the, the, I, I truly believe this in my heart of hearts. I mean, if you can get families to sit around the dinner table, yeah. 
a lot of good comes out of that. Yeah. I mean, I kids who are struggling that. eventually tell you that at the dinner table. Kids mm-hmm. who are happy tell you that at the dinner table. Kids that get a good grade tell you that at dinner table. Kids have a yeah. bad grade. Tell you, like, and it becomes this opportunity where people can be honest, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, because as a kid, you're scared to tell your parents when you mess up. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to disappoint your parents or your parent or who, or your older brother or whatever it is. But if you get this kind of, if, if people feel like this open forum, which I felt like that was our dinner table. It's an open forum. You can say whatever you want. Yeah. It's in its connection. That's what Yeah, man. You find out what happened in their day or their week. I mean, even as busy as I am and I was with my kids, we try to have dinner three or four times a week. Yeah. And that's important. I mean, and not in the car driving somewhere. Yeah. It's not even about, I mean, you just, everybody always wants to concentrate on, we've got to have healthy meals. I'm like, you know what you need to have is just a meal with your family. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Quality, quality time. Yeah. yeah. I think I, I I love that idea. I think it's great. Uh, Okay. So final question for you. Just what does, what does legacy mean to you when you, when you hear that word? Like, what do you want sort of, your legacy to be, or what is that concept? Uh, that's a tough to question. Uh, hey, I don't really like talking about myself that much, but uh, I guess if if I was to say I I want it to be, I want my kids to be proud of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want my family to be proud of me. Um. You know, I feel like sometimes, you know, legacy kind of seems to go with somebody that's been passed a little bit, you know, and I, I, which is tough. So, I mean, like, for instance, like Katarina is named after my sister who passed away during COVID, right? That Mm. That's, that's, I created that for her legacy, right? Mm. Just so so people always remember a good time with that name, but. Mm, That's cool. um, I, I, I want people to, to, to. I think I was a hardworking person. I was a good dad, mm-hmm. you know, took care of my family. That's enough for me, really. It's not, it'll, the rest of it kind of carries itself on, right? And mm-hmm. I think that um, I want my city to be proud of me, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but, you know, all that aside, really the legacy to me is 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 that, you know, when you're not around that people are going, man, that dude did some cool shit. Mm-hmm. Like, and it, it's, I think it's a tough question because you don't really know, you can't create your own legacy, although people think they can, right? Because they do more and more stuff. Yeah. Is that really the legacy or is it, or is the legacy really just, I mean, to me, the most important thing to me is what my kids think of me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I think that's great. I I do think like you, you are someone that you left the city better than you found it. And especially, especially like the stockyards. I mean, you have, you were like, I'm going to, I'm going to make, I'm going to create, I love this cowboy idea and way of life and culture. And I want to bring people here and shape it. And, you know, you, that, that will be remembered for, for a really, really long time. Like it is, it is. Oh, that'd be cool. If it is, that'd be yeah. cool. Uh, and you, sh- you shaped it. And so I, I think, you know, no, your your kids. I talked to your son for a while at that 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 event. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it was he was just so excited about you know the music and all yeah. like, and so that, I, I think you're I think you're living that and doing that and and you have you are someone that has shaped the city. So it was fun 
Appreciate the time. Appreciate you get, yeah. getting me like a, a glimpse into your brain and how <laughs> it works. Yeah. So thanks for being on here, man. Absolutely, man. My pleasure. Congratulations. You made it all the way to the end. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Stories with Soul. If you enjoyed the interview and like what you heard, please help us out and share, subscribe, and like anywhere you listen to podcasts. When you share and subscribe, it is insanely helpful and allows us to keep producing new episodes. You can always join us directly in the studio by watching the video version on our website, sixthavstorytelling.com. Stories with Soul is brought to you by Six Ave Storytelling, an organic marketing company building standout brands on the foundation of story. You're obsessed with your business and we want to make the world obsessed with it too. Thanks for listening.